darling. Hello and welcome to episode 143 of the Film Yak Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. And I'm JR. That's, uh, and we're, uh, I was supposed to say last time on the show. <laughs> We've done this before. Um, if we could run it back, if we want. On this, on this week, on this episode, we're going to be talking about my pick, which is The Pledge from 1991, 2001. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> uh, starring Jack Nicholson. That's right. And directed by Sean Penn and uh, starring uh, some menagerie of... It's a cameo a machine. Of this movie. Um, yeah, for sure. And uh, also we talk about other things we watched and um, other stuff. What's going on, guys? How's it going? Well, um, <laughs> it's going well because I was finally able to procure and secure... A, uh, the tiny container of the new Bluebell ice cream that I've been looking for. Mm. And uh, I. The pint. Sorry, the pint, thank you. Because I can only <laughs> find it in the half gallon. And I was like, no one here is going to eat this with me. I was curious if you guys have had it. Um, Dr. The Dr. Pepper, Pepper Float ice no, cream. I haven't, haven't had it. I've seen it. I've not actually eaten it. Okay. I have not. My mom has. She said it was good. She also tagged me in a video of, I don't know if you've seen this guy, uh, Matt Mitchell, I think is his name. He does, like, a bunch of, like, southern videos, like, TikToks and stuff. And he, like, took the, that ice cream, the Dr. Pepper float ice cream, made a float with it with the uh, um, Diet Dr. Pepper. <laughs> and, you know, just... Uh, I am going to do that now. That's a great idea. I'm going to do that. I don't have Dietrich Pepper, but I have Dr. Pepper Zero. Uh, Even better. So, yeah, is it is better. So I'm going to try that. Um, I don't drink. Yeah, I don't drink regular Dr. Pepper. Um, so this ice cream was delicious because it tastes uh, like ice cream with regular Dr. Pepper. And it's like I'm, it's like I'm cheating. You know, like I don't drink regular Dr. Pepper because I was like, I was like, I have an addiction and I can't drink this anymore. Because if I have one Dr. Pepper, it's like I have to have 40 Dr. Peppers. You know, it's, it's a whole problem. Um, Forrest Gump over here. Kind of, kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm, I will never buy a pint of this ice cream again because it is it is cheating. It is um, it, it's giving in to my addiction in a way that is not healthy for me, uh, mm. which is to say that it's uh, it's delicious. I really like Dr. Pepper ice cream, it turns out. Nice. Or I just really like Dr. <laughs> Pepper and putting ice cream in it uh, works. Especially Bluebell. Yeah. I've been doing the, um, I got my kids some vanilla, some of those little, you know, they, they sell like the, the two towers, oh, like yeah, stacks like of the little birthday, chocolate yeah, yeah. and vanilla. Party. Yeah. Party. yeah so I got her, I got her one of those cause I give her like one of those for like a dessert sometimes. And I, uh, she only, but she only likes the chocolate one. So I've been eating the vanilla ones and I've been <laughs> doing uh, root beer floats with the NW zero. Nice. And, those, and that is unbelievably good. But the secret is but I said no 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 what <laughs> Put ice in. Yeah, like you don't drink your Dutch pepper your root beer without ice I don't no, know no 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 you take the you take the like what what is essentially a a puck of vanilla ice cream okay. and you put it into the root beer and you do not drink it you wait you wait a minimum ten minutes let that shit sink in 
and change the color of the entire glass to that creamy tan brown <laughs> and let it bubble up and almost over the sides and then you go to town and it is unbelievable it's like nectar of the gods so it's amazing so your float is definitely more on like the like the melty shake side like you go after 10 minutes is it like full liquid no i mean there's still a hunk of ice cream in there it's not okay. definitely not as big as it was but it's just like mm. it's the fact that it uh penetrates all of the actual root beer that's in the so you don't have ah, like i don't like tasting actual like full too much beer. too much cream and penetration and, and oh, your I of this. <laughs> penetration. <laughs> best. that is the best um on a lighter less sexual note there is a uh, i have there's two things coming to uh formerly hbo max now just called max um this week that i think we should we should all be looking out for one is the new series full circle, which is written and directed by the man, Steven Soderbergh uh, and stars Timothy Oliphant and other people. Sorry. I didn't actually watch the trailer for this, but um, I saw an image for it. Jared, do you know who's in this? No, definitely not. I haven't seen a trailer for this. Oh, Claire Danes. Oh, cool. Well, they're not great. They're not in order. Okay. <laughs> Doesn't look. It's, it's like random it's, people. It's Soderbergh. Gonna... It's Ed Solomon. <laughs> yeah, it's Ed um, Solomon, which is cool. Yeah, they, they've worked together before. That's why it's yeah. cool. And so yeah. Dennis Quaid, it looks like from this poster. Uh, great, yes. great actor. Best uh, New Orleans accent ever put on film. Mm. It's a bit of a. Uh, Right wing weirdo at this point, I think. Anyway, um, and then also same day, which is uh, these are both coming out Thursday. Um, the new Project Greenlight premiering Thursday. Kevin, does that create any sort of uh, reaction inside of you at all? That's still around. That's still a thing. If they haven't done it since 2015 or something, but. Yeah, they they're doing another series, a season season, oh. and this time it's um it's a female director. It's a it's a Ray. Well, she's not the director, but she, oh, like, I'm sorry. I believe, she's I believe she's like the host or something of it. Oh, or the producer of the film, maybe she's like the mm. Chris Moore of this season. Okay, I don't know how the show works. I believe she's just the name that I saw attached. It's called Project Greenlight: A New Generation. It's mm. got. It's also got a what's his face involved. Uh, Muscle bound Indian actor used to be a comedian. Uh, oh, uh, Kumail. Yeah, Kumail. Kumail Nanjiani. Yeah, yeah, that guy's in, involved somehow. Did he, um, he stayed muscle bound? Um, yeah, dude. He's. he's I think up. he's still a comedian. Well, he's in the Marvel movie. I think that's why he got he got built up yeah. like that, right? Yeah. Anyway, I'm excited. I love Project Greenlight. Uh, Every season has been amazing to watch and rewatch, and uh, I'm just jazzed, dude. All right. I had no idea this was coming, so. Uh, yeah, never seen this. Uh, saw for the first time today that uh, it was coming back with Issa Rae. Um, other bit of news for uh, anyone out there who will be going to um, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, I believe it's yes. called. Um, That's me. What is it? Me as well. Uh, I've heard reports that we will be getting the. Uh, I think it's gonna be trailer. Maybe it'll be teaser for uh, for Ridley Scott's Napoleon movie Ooh. ahead of. Ooh. 
<laughs> that is exciting. That is genuinely exciting. I hate that I'm excited for a Ridley Scott biopic, but it is. Well, <laughs> I mean, the last, the last time we saw so Ridley good. Scott, well, I mean, yeah, actually, that wasn't the last time we saw Ridley Scott. It wasn't? I mean, just because that. Oh, because House of Gucci? They came out like the same time. Yeah. One of the last times we oh, saw right. Scott, it was amazing. So The last time he did an epic war film, it was amazing. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm excited for Napoleon for sure, and I'm sure I'll be more excited once I see this trailer. Mm. Um, but yeah, I actually heard a, um, or I read a headline that said that it was like a capsule review of Dead Reckoning Part 1 that compared it to Studio Ghibli movies. Like the action and it was going to be like anime-esque. <laughs> well, that sounds insane. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I don't know. Well, sure. well, hold on. Like, um, well, I don't think any of us saw Creed three, right? Uh, no, I but I did okay. hear someone talking about. The I heard action. it was anime. Yeah, Michael B. Yeah, Jordan. Yeah, he said like the you know I mean it was live at you know it's live action, but he sure. said it was like heavily influenced by you know anime fights and stuff, which you know. Yeah, but Michael B. Jordan's a huge douche, so like, can't take him seriously. I yeah. did, did. You guys see Creed two? Yes. Yeah. No, I didn't see Creed two. I only saw Creed one. Yeah, me, me too. I only saw the first one. I liked it. I yeah, I liked Might the first good. one. I wasn't against the second one. I just like never got to it. Yes, um, and so yeah, I can't imagine watching the third one without watching the second one, and that sounds like a five hour commitment. So I don't know <laughs> that that is the case though i mean i don't think that they are they're pretty i think they're i feel like they're pretty episodic right what i mean how am i gonna understand his relationship <laughs> with his girlfriend if i don't know what they went through last time i mean i think mm. you'll know can't even remember they, who plays his girlfriend it's uh thompson. tessa thompson yeah. oh, okay thanks <laughs> she, she's like deaf in it isn't she deaf i no. do not their, recall their that. kid is deaf right oh Something are they have a like kid that. i don't know I don't know. I think she, isn't she deaf? Are we sure she's not deaf? No, no, we're not sure. That's the whole well, thing. I think we don't she's know. got like tinnitus or something. But she's like in a a band. Like she's oh, a musician okay. when he meets her. So yeah, the... I think she's. She, oh, she I has see. Like tinnitus or you know some other sort of. Yeah, she has hearing loss and hearing aids, and she's learning sign language. It says that she suffers from progressive hearing loss, and that. She right. would. The, the actress said she would be uncomfortable playing a fully deaf person. <laughs> I guess because it would be like, why not give the role to an actual deaf person? Yeah, well, right. way, to, way to get yourself recast for the next one. Mm-hmm. What, are you, what are you doing? I think Creed 3 did pretty well. I'm sure it did. All of my yeah. students loved it. They were all raving about it. Oh, wow. You know, like six of my students, you know what I mean? The ones who watch movies. Right. Yeah. 275 worldwide not bad what else is tessa thompson in uh she's in a couple of the marvel things um yeah uh she won an emmy no she was nominated for an emmy Uh, she's in annihilation oh she's in thor ragnarok okay yeah yeah and I i think she's in maybe another marvel thing yeah she's in the avengers i believe she showed up in one of the tv shows maybe Maybe not. Uh, I'm not seeing that. Oh, she was okay. in. She's in Westworld. Duh. Okay, that's where I know her from. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember her in Westworld. Yeah, she was the. Uh, she was like a. She was like one of the executives. She was fucking one of the androids in the first season. Like she was using him as a sex slave. She was and in like, the first season. Yeah. 
no memory of this. Uh, no, Jeffrey no? Wright. Yeah. No, she's not Jeffrey Wright. No, was she using <laughs> Jeffrey Wright? No, no, she was using the Hispanic bandit guy. Um, I don't remember okay. who played him. Uh, oh, yeah. The tall Hispanic ba- bandit all in black who, like, rides into the town and kills people. Rodrigo Santoro. Sure. Uh, the guy oh, who, right. It's the guy that's who plays uh, Xerxes in 300. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah uh, that show, <clears throat> we should stop talking about it. Well, the first season was interesting. Uh, bad. First season was bad. I did not think it was bad. You thought the first season was bad? Yes. I can't go there with you, JR. Sorry. Can't do it. Yeah, I mean, I can't, you know, I'm not going to sit here and make a staunch defense of it, but I enjoyed it while I was watching it. Yeah. I think the first season had interesting things going on that no show has ever done before. So, Like but, a puzzle box? No, just the idea of the, the the two timelines going on at the same time that they don't really address until the end, and it's like a reveal at the end. Yeah. I think that's like, did you not, you didn't catch up to that? Until the end? I don't believe you. No, I did not catch up to it. I mean, I was reading about it as I was watching it, so I was reading people's theories about what was going on, and that was one of the theories floating around, and I was like, that's if that's what's going on, I'm way in. I thought that's awesome. I think it's awesome. And then it turns out to be that way, and I was like, this is awesome. And then I watched this two of the second season episodes, and I was like, this is not awesome anymore. I'm out. Okay. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> not working for me. I don't right. know. I don't like Jeffrey Wright. A lot. Like ever? No, not is it Jeffrey Wright? Yeah, Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, right? uh, yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't love him as an actor. Okay. I think he's a little overrated, personally. But you know, he seems to get a lot of like accolades. Yeah, I've got some nice things to say about him later this episode. Oh Jesus! I, it's, it's not gonna like. What a coincidence! You know, I'm not gonna get on my knees. I'm just you know, no, no. I'm just saying. What a, a coincidence a that movie, I'm so. I'm over here talking shit about him, and you're saying he's part of the great stuff that you're now that for this episode i will say i've been the last few episodes i've been thinking like as i was watching as i was talking about movies in the last few episodes i've been thinking about like oh man i really hope i remember to mention xyz you know and then i forget a lot of the times to mention it so this episode i literally took notes for every movie i watched uh like while watching yeah okay but um, I need but, to get back to doing that. But I'm not going to talk about every movie I watched. But I did take notes for literally every movie. Jesus, okay. <laughs> except for wow. uh, except for End of Days because I'm not going to talk about End of Days. I only watched it because Film Junk is doing it. The Negro Premium oh, and Red Heat. Also, I didn't do. Um, you've already you've already talked about it. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. I'm not going to review the worst short singer movie I've ever seen. But um, Wait, that's End of Days or Red Heat. End of Days. Okay. Is atrociously bad. I don't remember. Way. I don't it's remember so Red Heat being good. Oh. Red Heat is not good either, but it's certainly it's like uh, uh, you know a masterpiece by one of the great artists <laughs> compared to End of Days, and it's crazy too because like End of Days is uh, the director of that is Peter Hyams, and he did um, the only really the only like watchable good Jean Claude Van Damme movie, which is Time Cop, in my opinion. And, uh, what about what about the Die Hard at a hockey game? I did not like that on a. Re- I I oh, used okay. to think I loved that, and then I bought it on Blu-ray and watched it, and I was like, "This is not great." It okay. is not I remember fun. enjoying that one. All right, and I've Maybe seen. Maybe uh, I don't know. I mean, probably won't. I've seen a double team like a thousand times, so I think I. Mm. That's like a a nostalgic <laughs> uh, video store rental. 
for us, we my my dad bought a movie called um, Death Warrant with him, where he goes to prison undercover, okay. in, uh, and he's like a Canadian Mountie undercover in prison and uh, trying to find the Sandman. And uh, that was like our big, you know, we thought that movie was amazing when we were kids. And I'm sure it's not great at all. I've not seen it since I was a kid, though, so who knows? Not excited to rewatch it at any point. Yeah, but anyway, uh, we don't. You don't have to, though. Yeah, I don't. Well, sometimes <laughs> I just get the itch to watch something that, like, I almost like a comfort food or something. You know, like, oh, I just want to watch something that I can like turn my mind off to, and that's definitely one of those kind of movies. Okay, because it's just him kicking people in the face for two hours. So. Well, then you know. Just like don't take notes during that one. Let it let it be your comfort comfort food. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I wouldn't talk about something like that anyway. You know. Anyway, um, <laughs> could never is... bring down the discourse. <laughs> so Kevin's still on the phone. So you want to start? Start us off. Yeah, I'll start. Um, right. Should I start with Asteroid City? I'm just kidding. Kevin's on the phone. Well, probably. I don't want to talk about <laughs> yeah. that, Kevin. Um, I'm going to start with. Uh, a 2022 movie that I finally caught up with. Um, you know, I've just like been watching things on shutter. Um, I turn it on, I turn on shutter. And I'm like, I'm going to watch resurrection. Um, yeah. And then oh. I'm like, uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, so yeah, this time I turned on a uh, speak no evil from last year, also from last year. Um, and this was like a very, you know, buzzy, horror movie last year or thriller or whatever, um, you know, have sort of like a, like a fucked up, you got to see it ending. Like what's going on? Oh my God. And, um, you know, that exists. And this is about a, uh, I think they're a Dutch family. They're Dutch, um, family of three, you know, husband, wife, um, you know, preteen, maybe like 10, 11 year old, uh, daughter, they go on vacation in Tuscany um, to this sort of like big like resort house. It's not a hotel. It's like everyone's having like these communal dinners and they, uh, they meet and become friends with this Danish family of three uh, husband, wife, and uh, you know, son sort of that similar age range, like nine to 11. Uh, and the son is mute. Um and they become friends and the Danish family invites the Dutch one back to their place. You're like, Oh, in like a few weeks, we'll, we'll do this. Uh, we'll do a nice little vacation out in our, uh, like our, our forest house. And, um, when the family shows up to the forest house, uh, they realize, uh, pretty quickly that, uh, this Danish family is a little off and things go awry mm. and then things get very dark. And, um, it was all about like making like that protagonist family um, extremely uncomfortable and thus making the audience extremely uncomfortable. There are, there's a lot of just like inappropriate like dialogue happening and just like weird ways to treat each other that are like just like just past the line where it's like, this is unacceptable, but also like, you know, like I don't know you, I don't want to like tell you how to like, treat your family kind of stuff that it is just, it's again, very uncomfortable walking a line, but definitely on the wrong uh, side of that line. And um, it's like a comedy of manners gone just like exceptionally 
wrong and very darkly wrong. Um, and the director, Christian Tafter, uh, who is also the co-writer, does a great job of kind of um, making it believable why this family would stay. It's not just like a like an oh no my car won't start situation or oh no uh, I don't sell service in the forest kind of thing. Um, there are these very sort of like natural seeming roadblocks put in place and um, and I thought that stuff really worked and I thought the movie really worked in general until that dark and fucked up ending, which is ultimately I think like the worst part of the movie. Not because of what happens, but it's like the only part of the movie where there's just like really lame dialogue. And I think they just kind of like, they make the point a little too uh, blunt in, in ways that they did not need to. And that, uh, that definitely hurt, hurt my enjoyment and hurt my rating. Cause it just kind of ends with like a, a lame taste in my mouth. Of course. Did you uh, watch this uh, pre or post um, posting your 2022 list? Extremely late. I don't recall, mm. as I don't know what day I posted my list. Did you add this to the list? Yes, but I add things to the list. I know. Forever. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I mean, I've done that. I've watched, uh, I think, a 2022 release this year and added it. And this is not near the top. Of course. I wouldn't imagine so. Resurrection would be if you just... Stop being a little bitch boy and watch it, you know? Well, I have a really hard time not being a bitch boy. You know this. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I mean, like, another movie that I'm talking about tonight is also, like, a Shutter avoidance watch. Yeah. And it was also pretty good. <laughs> there you go. They're all good, man. You love Shudder. Um, I do. Okay. Well, I I will, uh, I'll talk about a really good one I watched, too, which is called, it's from this year, though. And it's called Close to Vermeer, <laughs> which is a uh, documentary from Suzanne Rays, who did some other documentaries. I've never heard of <laughs> but she did a lot of stuff, apparently, in Amsterdam, I guess, which is, I guess, where she's from. I don't know. Anyways, Vermeer is a, Close That's to Vermeer. Is Vermeer's about a, Dutch, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Close Vermeer is about uh, an, uh, a museum in Amsterdam trying to put together the biggest Vermeer exhibit of all time. And so it's about this like team that they put together and then they send them all across the world to these different museums to ask to borrow their Vermeer paintings for this exhibit. And uh, the sort of politics involved in trying to get those paintings, um, some of them you know, from very, very far away, some of them are in like really, really super esteemed galleries like you know, um, uh, Metropolitan Museum of Art and uh, these these ones in like Berlin and shit. And it's just like they're having to really sort of uh, make deals and arrangements and stuff and like agree to lend out some of their paintings in return at some point. And and then there's also a, one at least one of the paintings is in the, is in private hands. It's in a, a collector who's a billionaire and he is a character and he, it's just very very fascinating to watch like him like talk about owning this art and what it means to him. And it's just so completely different than the way that the rest of the people who are, you know, academics care about the art, you know, and then they also get into like Vermeer, um, his technique and stuff, sort of like in, in Tim's Vermeer, the, 
documentary from uh, Teller from a few years ago mm-hmm. uh, where they talk about how he might have used lenses. Um, they get into some of that in this also, uh, but it's not controversial at all. It's just sort of like matter of fact. And also um, they talk, they, there's a sort of controversy near the end of the film about whether or not a few of the paintings actually are Vermeer paintings or not. And uh, I don't know, it might sound really dry, and it, but it's, I don't know, I, I had a blast with it. I thought it was like really, really well done and very interesting. And the main character that you're following through the whole thing, who I believe is this guy... Gregor Weber, who's um, he works for the museum, but it's almost like this, like a crime narrative or something like where they bring him out of retirement to to do this job, you know, because he's the only one who can do it, you know, and he has to go because <laughs> he knows Vermeer better than anybody, you know, and he, he he's a talker and he can he can handle his business. And when like specifically when the um, the billionaire guy is talking about anything, they're always focusing in on this guy's face and like his reactions to this sort of billionaire fop with his goofy sideburns. Uh, it's, 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 it's pretty amusing. But yeah, close to Vermeer. Great doc. Best doc I've seen this year by a mile. Um, nice. Highly recommend. I think it's a BBC production. And it's mm. really short. It's 77 minutes. So well worth your time. I was just, have I seen a documentary this year? I honestly don't know. I don't know. I've seen like, I mean, I've only seen like a handful and some like series, you know, like, um, I watched the Jared from subway. Uh, Oh, but you know, we have both seen, uh, De Humani Corporis. Oh, right. Sure. Yeah. We talked about that. (laughs) Yeah. That was good too. (laughs) Um, that's not as good as this though. This is way easier to watch than that. (laughs) Yeah. I I would hope so. Okay. You won't have to take breaks during this one. (laughs) It's easy. One and done. Um, all right, Kevin. All right. Um, oh, John, uh, Sebastian says hello, by the way. Oh, okay. Tell him yeah. I said hello. That's I will. <laughs> okay. So so um, I heard a little snippet of what you were talking about. Uh, like, I also needed some comfort after a very, very stressful time. So I ended up watching all of the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit movies and the animated Hobbit. Uh, did not get around to rewatching the Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings, but I don't know. It could happen. Anyway. <laughs> Have you seen it before? Yes. Um, okay, see, I haven't seen that one. I'd like to watch it. Yeah, I... Yeah, I, I remember it being very trippy, very kind of like psychedelic hmm. in parts. I also remember it um, like it's a funny thing. Like when I read I've read The Hobbit and I've read Lord of the Rings and I've read The Silmarillion, all of them I found to be pretty dry, like especially Lord of the Rings. Like it's for me, it's basically a history text that just happens to have dialogue in it and i and i'm i know i'm not the only one on this i disagree with tolkien like so in uh two towers and lord of the and uh return of the king you have frodo and sam's narrative it goes all, all the way through then you have what happens with Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli, and the other two hobbits who have, who have been 
stealing stolen by the uh, uh, Urukai, and that happens in both those books, and I think it's ridiculous. That what do you mean it happens in both the books? Both of them, you have the you have a long chunk, like half of the book is from one perspective, Frodo and Sam. Or oh, I see, I, I see. Maybe okay. it's, maybe it's reversed. I don't know. Sure. Um, but yeah, and that happens in Return of the King and in the Two Towers. I see. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like, like I, it's funny, like. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Tolkien's writing, but I love what people bring to it. Like, especially the Lord of the Rings movies, like, all of them are solid. They hold up. The only problems that I really have with them is with the actual, you know, storyline that Tolkien put forward. And I very much agree that, um, so in the end of Return of the King, which was criticized for having too many endings in the book all the hobbits go back to the shire and they find out that saruman has taken over and they're you know enslaved and eventually they you know rise up and lead a rebellion and that's how saruman meets his maker i think that's dumb like, I understand from a perspective of, you know, like, yes, you know, like, people people came home from World War One. Like, you see it in, um, you see it a lot in the ending of They Shall Not Grow Old, the other, the Jackson doc, about how people came home from Europe, especially to England, and they were like, oh, you know, you were just off, you know, having fun with your friends in the mud, and, and, they, and all these people with you know, shell shock are coming back going, what the fuck is going on here? You know? Mm. Um, but I... You've been watching too much wrestling. Well, yeah. It's not, it's not what the mud was for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, I, I really like the Lord of the Rings movies. I really like the Hobbit movie. The animated one. The... The Jackson ones, though, have many problems, and not all of them are Tolkien's problems. But, I don't know, I, for some reason, this time around, I found them a lot easier to get through, even though they're all, you know, over three hours. Close to four in some instances. Extended editions? Extended editions? Well, there's, uh, on, I watched, I watched all this stuff on Max, and I don't know if there's actually an extended edition of, um... Unexpected Journey, the first movie, but they did oh, have no they did have the extended editions of the second two, and I watched the oh. extended ones of uh, all the Lord of the Rings ones. Yeah, because uh, it looks like they're all about well, the sec the first one's the longest one. Mm. It's two uh, two fifty, and then the second one's two forty, and the third one's two twenty. Jesus Christ. But that, that's the regular editions, not the... Um, yeah, yeah, the uh, the extended ones are well over three hours. Mm. Never yeah. seen any of the extendeds. I mean, yeah. I don't, you know, unless unless you're just into, you know, Peter Jackson throwing more, you know, like, you know, it's not totally him just inventing stuff, because, like, in the book The Hobbit, like, there's, you know, parts where 
Gandalf goes off and does some other stuff, and you don't actually find out what he did until the book in the book of the Lord of the Rings when they get to Rivendell and they're talking about what they're supposed to do with the ring. So, you know, it's not like they're just making shit up. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, this was this was the comfort that I needed, <laughs> even though, you know, I wasn't super, in, super into, you know, about half of it. <clears throat> but still, Kevin, this is um, the perfect time for you to get into Magic the Gathering. They just released a Lord of the Rings set, oh. like 200 original cards. Amazing. I got the Sauron Commander deck. Oh my goodness God. gracious me. <laughs> I was it's uh terrific. I was looking at some in yeah. I was in Austin with a bunch of friends and um You almost you almost relapsed? <laughs> well my so I, we'll we'll call you know, it's like this is my sort of wife's friend group and uh though like I've known them for I've known them all since college. Uh and so one of the husbands he still plays and he he bought a bunch of the set and he brought he brought boosters for a booster draft. Oh. And uh so like <laughs> me, him and this other husband were gonna like stay up late one night, we're at this lake house and do a booster yeah. draft, which I've never done yeah. before. Um like he went to the store, got a bunch of a uh, bunch of mana, uh and just um Did you guys do it? No, because uh one husband's uh, toddler started throwing up oh, um, at night, oh, and so they fucking little brat had to ruin it for everybody. <laughs> so like, so that family like ended up leaving early, and uh, and we were gonna do it the next night, and like I was down, like yeah. it was like midnight, and I was like, I am ready, let's go. <laughs> and he was like, that's ah, too late. Oh uh, fuck that. I went to um I actually went to a uh, a free draft of um Lord of the Rings uh last Friday. Yeah, they're actually not this past Friday but a week ago. And um yeah, I did that was my first draft ever and uh it was a lot of fun. I, I lost have... every game. <laughs> Sweet. I mean good. That's how it's I got, but I got like I got like I don't know like 100 cards so for okay. free. So that's pretty the... awesome. I I was surprised to learn. I don't know why I was surprised because I just I you know I just haven't checked in in a long time. Um, that like they sell a bunch of different kinds of booster packs now. Like they have um, draft, like the draft packs. boosters mm-hmm. and then like the jumpstart packs right. and then just like the like the set packs. Yeah. So you can like fill out your set of whatever. You know. Regular regular boosters are the best because they still have the, like the rares and mythics and um and yeah. the. Uh, holographics and shit like that and the draft boosters i think are like the worst because they don't have a lot of that shit in them well the, but they do they do still have cool stuff in them but i mean so we opened not... one draft booster and i felt like it i felt like it looked pretty similar to what you know i used to open in in the sense that it was like a land card uh a rare three uncommons and then like the three or the, and then like the rest were just like the plain the common cards sure so yeah, but on but on felt typical familiar. boost on typical boosters it actually says it on the back too. It's like you're guaranteed like a mythic rare or you're guaranteed oh. a, a wow. foil or something like that. So it's pretty it's but I mean they're also like eight dollars for those packs. So for this set anyway. Whew. Yeah. Um pretty insane. But uh, he also was playing uh, Magic the Gathering Arena. Oh yeah, uh, I have that on my phone. I have not played that and I was it's not great. So I was wondering like <laughs> can I play with like old sets that I remember from my history of playing Magic the Gathering. 
No. Okay, I just, okay. Well, then that's lame. I'm not doing it. The uh, Magic Magic Arenas, as far as I know, and I haven't played it very much, but you have to. It's like um, I don't know if you ever played um, the Witcher game, the Witcher card game. What's no. that called? Uh, fucking. Dayton, who cares? Dayton, Dayton turned me on to it. No, it's actually <laughs> kind of fun. But um, but that online, they have a version of that also, and it's um, it starts with a Q. I can't remember what they call. Anyways, but it's like similar to that. It's like you open, you get, you like win cards. You open packs of cards online. You can buy cards if you want to, but like who would buy a digital card? I don't know. They're insane. But there is a um, a thing that one of my students turned me on to uh, through Discord. There is a a program that you can get. That's not a program. It's like online, but it, you can play you, on that program. You can literally build a deck using any card that's ever been made and play that deck, which is a lot of fun. That see, that sounds really cool. There's yeah. a lot of, and you know, it's just been a long I'll send time. I'll you the link. Well, I'll test it. I played, but like I, you know, like I can remember specific cards and like invasion and uh, just a bunch of other sets. Anyway, anywho, mm. I think. Um, Magic's cool. <laughs> yeah. Let's spend all our money. Let's go. Hey, man. It is hard not to. It's hard to go to those shops. Like, I have to go to the shops, you know, to, like, play. I play with my, with, uh, you know, our, our friend Winston. Mm-hmm. And um, he's, like, that's all he spends money on is Magic cards now. Yeah. Mm. He just sold all of his Pokemon cards the other day and bought a modern deck for $500. Oh, motherfucker just grew up. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, finally. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. Sorry, uh, we digress. Jr. Yeah, um, I just back on Shutter, avoiding resurrection. I watched uh, Influencer, one of Shutter's uh, 2023 releases. Um, you know, I was intrigued. I had seen, you know, a couple of uh, of positive notices, and um, it's sort of like a it's like a horror thriller in the uh, in like the long tradition of like foreigner in an exotic location gets uh gets themselves into into some deep doo-doo right um, sure <laughs> or, hostile. I wouldn't, host, yeah hostile Hannibal but like not, not as extreme i was Hannibal thinking like, yeah, sure. like or like the perfect getaway is kind of oh, yeah, okay. that vein that's, yeah right it's not really what you're describing but that's fine <laughs> <laughs> or like uh oh you haven't seen infinity pool it's like infinity pool yeah, you should, watch, you should watch Infinity Pool. <laughs> yeah, I've got the uh, I think the unrated one on my computer, and I yeah, saw me, that the regular one was just added to Hulu. I think I'm going to uh, watch the unrated one soon. I have that too. Anyway, sorry. But yeah, this is a uh, influencer is about an Instagram influencer who uh, ends up on a trip to Thailand uh, on her own after her very annoying boyfriend kind of bails uh, on the trip. Was we it see Jonah her. Hill? No, just kidding. Just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> I haven't had time to to read up on, on all that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we see this girl, you know, like when she's not in front of her camera, she's like clearly very lonely, um, just like bored at like her hotel bar and stuff, uh, except for when she is going through the motions of like producing her content for her fans. Um, and she meets this sort of... Um, we'll call her just like striking 
and uh, intriguing fellow traveler, we think, uh, who is played by Cassandra Nod. Now it's N A U D. Uh, an actor, actress I was not familiar with. Apparently, is in like the Disney like Descendants um, mm. like movies stuff. Um, and this girl convinces our influencer to to ditch her itinerary and uh, and just like come with her and do stuff that's wild and fun. And uh, shit goes down. And it turns out that uh, that Cassandra Nod's intentions might not be uh, super innocent. And this movie pulls off what I think is just like a, an awesome twist pretty early in the film um, that left me wondering, like, how are they going to fill like the rest of this runtime? Like, what is going to happen here? Um, and then the way that they fill that runtime is not always perfect there are definitely some kinks um there's huh. definitely like at least at least like two performances that i think end up really not working uh, with some characters we meet and uh but this you know this mysterious stranger uh sandra nod like she's awesome like she's great she is she pulls off like cool subtle menace and uh and i i'm i don't know I'll I'll look look out for her the next time I, I see her name somewhere because she's great. I feel like what? okay what <laughs> I feel like you spoiled this movie a little bit. Mm-mm. I don't think so. I think you did in okay. combination well, with hey. in combination with who's first build in this movie. I think you spoiled this movie a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't uh, go, just go ahead and don't give me your thoughts because I you know I'm not about, I'm not going to say about anything. the way I described it. It could go a couple ways, but okay okay. I'm gonna, I, I'll probably check it out just to see if I, if you actually did, <laughs> and then I'll report back next week. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, all right. Uh, I watched uh, Sanctuary, and JR watched this too. This is a uh, 2023 from uh, Zachary Wigan, who did some movie called The Heart Machine. I never even heard of this. I don't know. Anyway. For all intents and purposes, this is his first film, and it stars Margaret Qualley and Chris Pratt, and who are uh, two of my favorite actors in the game right yeah. now. Gotta just stay on the Qualley train. That's a trailer we got to talked about the uh, the Coen Brother movie with oh, uh, Margaret I, Qualley. Oh yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. The lesbian road trip thing. Drive, drive off devils. Drive off, uh, drive uh, baby. Something baby, isn't it? Baby in the title. Dolls. 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 That's right. Dolls. Drive away dolls. Drive. Okay. Great. Drive away dolls. Um, how'd you guys feel about that trailer? <laughs> I thought it looked fun. Yeah, why not? I mean, okay. yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, it, you don't feel like it. That well, I'll, like be a... dissent, I'll be the dissenting voice here. I thought this movie when I saw like the the blurb and the title and who was in it, I was like, okay, I'm gonna watch this trailer because Margaret Qualley's in it and I like her, but. At the same time, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, this looks like trash. This looks like almost VOD level garbage. And then I saw that it was by Ethan fucking Cohen, and I'm like, what is happening? I don't. I, I mean, I don't. Movie. There's one bad joke in that trailer. I thought. Yeah. Yeah, like the the Democrats joke. That was bad. Um, but the I mean the rest like what's happening in that trailer seems very like you know. Cohen-esque, like, idiots committing crime type yeah. deal. What's fun, what's interesting, the most interesting thing about the trailer was 
you've got these these brother directors who have been working together for decades. They split apart, and Joel Cohen makes this incredibly like academic, sad, depressing, violent uh, adaptation of of Macbeth, which is beautiful and 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 you know just and devastating. Humorless. Not, yeah, not, humorless. Not humorless. No, yeah. it sort of is humorless. I mean, in a lot of ways. I mean, it's got dark humor, but. And then Drive Away Dolls is like the antithesis of that. It's like this, like you say, it's like these goofy criminals who don't know what they're doing. And it's totally about funny being comedy and like silliness. And it's like you could see the two halves of the brain. That is the Coen <laughs> brothers, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like working. And now it's like clear. It's like, oh, okay, so anytime there was goofiness, it was Ethan Coen writing that part of the script, you know? <laughs> or, it, you know, anytime there was like serious business, it was like Joel Coen coming in to tighten things up. That's the way it feels, but you know, I mean, I don't know if that's actually the case. Well, but that's this, I don't know. I mean, this the, the right. pair of them were the ones who made Intolerable Cruelty, and that movie is goofy <laughs> as fuck. Well, like Lady yeah, Killer, they both, you know, they have they yeah, obviously yeah. have they both have an affinity for a certain type of like screwball Scroll comedy or or like forties yeah, yeah. kind of comedy, and uh, and I mean, they obviously they both made No Country also, which is also sort of not humorless, but in a lot of ways, their most one of their most serious films, I'd say. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure it's gonna be a masterpiece, but I I think it looks like it could be fun. Uh, we'll see how many you know we're Democrats style jokes are in there because uh, <laughs> that that was not. It's such like a. It's also like it's the last joke in the trailer. Just like a bummer. Come on. Don't yeah. You guys think that was the. Well, he probably send off. I would imagine he didn't cut the trailer, so. Well, no, yeah. Correct. Yeah. I and that I joke it. might work better in context or something. You, know, you never know. Mm. Um, but Margaret Qualley. Margaret in, uh, in Sanctuary. Yeah, yeah she's uh, delightful. I think she's... I, I like... <laughs> to me, I'm not a big fan of these types, these types of movies, usually, where there's literally only two people in the entire movie, and they're yeah. just in the room talking. But for me, this... For me, this one pulled it off. I mean, and I know we feel very differently about this, but like, <laughs> for me, the performances are so good and the writing is so good that I, I don't know, it didn't, none of that bothered me. I thought that the, the run, it flew by. I mean, it's not that long anyways. It's a, you know, hour 40 and it flew by. And, uh, and I loved the back and forth between them. I loved Chris Frabbit's sort of desperation and not knowing Murray Qualley's true end game, you know? And I like Margaret Qualley sort of when it's slowly revealed that she's just how damaged she truly is. And then also like they're sort of coming together and realizing that who they are as actual people and what they actually need out of a relationship. They reminded me a lot of um, yeah. Phantom Thread that way, like how near the end of Phantom Thread, you, you've got this this moment where they realize, OK, you know, I need this other person to be in charge of me and my health and, you know, um happiness so yeah I, I i agree with you and I, I like where it ends up i i just i struggle too much with the the two people yelling at each other back and forth for an entire movie kind of deal um I, I really like the way it started with uh with the role play and just so the way that they they kind of peel that back and uh and we get to know who the uh, the the, uh, the actors in that that role play are that worked. And then, uh, you know, 40 minutes in, I was just like, we're still going. And, uh, and I'm, and I'm hurting. <laughs> I was, you know, I was worried that it was going to become a thing where like, 
at the end it was going to be like okay this actually this whole thing was a role play and it was I, be, I, I was, was worried about, about that, that. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm glad that did not happen me too uh but you know it's like scary and then like you know when christopher abbott's like tearing apart uh the, the hotel room looking for a, a camera i was it i was just it's like i'm done i'm done and when that, he was doing it wasn't bad but i was just like sure no, I understand that. I'm That's tired. a valid criticism because when he was doing that, I was like, he hasn't even seen the video. Like, he doesn't know there's a camera. He's just assuming yeah. there's a camera because she said there is. Like, what? He's going insane about it. It seems like it seems like a way for the director to say, okay, let's get some action in this. You know, we want to like pace it correctly. We need to have movement at this point, so we'll just have him freak out and start. Pre- and then it, you know, it's just like it. That was a little bit too much too for me. I agree. I didn't like that either. But I don't know not a huge part of the film so <laughs> no no yeah i enjoyed it i loved it actually so it's in my top 10 right now sweet that's you know deal good, with it good for you i i'm <laughs> dealing with it right now <laughs> i'm working through it yeah but uh anyway yeah just uh i can't say enough about the performances i've always liked both these actors in particular abbott um ever since season one of girls he's just mm. been on my radar love him I don't even remember him in that. Um, he plays Marnie's boyfriend. Okay. He comes back in season four and he's a heroin addict. Oh, bummer. That shit sucks. together, JR. Yeah. <laughs> I think I saw the first. I think I saw, the, I saw two seasons of that. Um, uh, me too. Did you see. Did you watch the Quali uh, Stuck in South America movie from last year? The That's Claire on Hulu? movie? Yeah. No. Okay. You, I like that one. It. You watched it. I thought you said it wasn't that great. Am I, I wrong think, about that? I think you gave it a three and a half. I, I don't think it was great. I I thought she was great. I'm sure she uh, is. And I know and uh, my my boy is in it. So Taylor Swift's ex boyfriend? No, um, Safty Benny. Oh yeah, he is it. Oh yeah, not a, not a huge part. <clears throat> Still on my watch list. I mean, I'll probably watch it some point. It's really long too. It's like two, almost two twenty. It's like it's long. Mm-hmm. It's long and it, it isn't great, but it is interesting and Margaret Qualley is good. I could just on just piggybacking off that, I'll say that I did see a movie with Benny Safdie in it, which I'm not going to talk about. But I watched Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, <laughs> which I which I did not like. But Benny Safdie was delightful in it. I thought he was just lovely. Is he the dad? Yeah, and he's like, just ma- the those likable guy, you know, he's got, there's no, like you never, there's nothing that he does where you're like, Oh, this guy's a dick. He's just, he's the greatest guy in the world. <laughs> I definitely assumed that the Safties were like younger than me, but I have no idea. Oh, he's young. He's young. He was born in 86, but, um, Oh, he's my age, but, but, and, but, and Rachel McAdams, I think is like 10 years older than he, Oh, she's eight years older than he, but she plays his oh. wife and the, and the mother. And she's okay. All the acting is like pretty solid in it. Um, I just it wasn't. You just, just hate. You just hate periods. It's just not a movie that I could. This is gonna sound really stupid because like there are lots of movies that I can't relate to. Like I can't relate to, you know, movies about. I don't being know. a hotel heir to a, to a sure. Fortune. Who also wants to, you know, yeah, like have a woman like, you know, tell him what to do. and sh- But I, <laughs> but I still love Sanctuary. But this movie is just like, I don't know. I really did feel like they were just the things that were. It was like every joke they made. I was like, I understand why a female who is 
totally on board with this movie would force themselves to laugh at that, but that is not funny. <laughs> like, that's what I kept thinking to myself. I was like, oh, yeah, I could see my ex-girlfriend from 10 years ago laughing at this joke, and it's not funny at all, and that's why she would laugh at it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, it's just, Damn, it just did dude. not work. Did not work on any level for me. But uh, I do like Benny Safdie in it. And it's not nearly as I also thought it was going to be a more of an overt Christian message, and it's definitely not. Um, oh, okay. Not at all. Based on what? Based on uh, the title. I mean, what it's about. Do you know what well, this just, movie is about? <laughs> yeah, but like Christians hate Judy Bloom. Like that's who's Judy Bloom. What the person the who, wrote, who wrote the you didn't read this fucking no. novel no, when you were fifth no, grade or something? Of course not. I, I did. I don't know. I mean, and I went to Catholic school and they had Judy Bloom books, but Judy Bloom is like Judy Bloom is, is not uh, a friend of, of Christians. On the cares. Christians do not like Judy Bloom because she covers topics like periods and um, you know puts them in novels that are written for like kids aged 9 to 12. Yeah, but I would say that, nine, okay, nine to 14. I didn't read the book, but this movie is definitely very much not about her period right. at all. But, There's I like mean, one scene about her period. No, in, in the book, oh. she, she is worried. Well, in the book, she is very worried about like getting her period for the first time. Um, that is definitely like, I mean, there's part going, of her arc. That's going around. That's going on around her. Like there are her friends are getting their periods and she's thinking about that. And that, that is like, it's about all of that. It's about her coming of age, but like the main problem that she seems to be having or the crisis that she's having is a, a faith crisis or not even a faith crisis, just like which religion to be, which is like the superficial sort of, um, you know, do I, am I a Jew or am I a Christian? And her parents are sort of letting her choose that. And then she's going to different churches and trying to figure it out. And then, I mean, that's, I don't know. I thought it was going to be more. I don't know anything about this book. I thought it was going to be more uh, like the that Kelsey Grammer uh, movie where he's a pastor in the seventies. Uh, oh. <laughs> you know, oh. the Jesus Revolution. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that had a very, very yeah. clear and you know specific message. Sure, which I will uh, also Kevin, not, I will not be watching that one. So, Kevin, are uh, are the kids still checking out Judy Bloom books from the library? It's mostly like freckle juice and like super fudge, tales of a fourth grade nothing, that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, I don't I don't know if you guys uh, saw the news. Uh, we so they passed a law that now there has to be like we have to libraries in Louisiana have to make special cards that get very restrictive if the if the parent wants it to be so because you know um yeah like there ha there are going to be special yeah it's so fucking stupid it's restrictive like, in what way what are we talking about say, okay so like john like if you yeah. decided that you didn't if you didn't want amelia to be checking out like certain items then like they're there's no way they could be checked out on her card. Okay. Um, which, you know, is all, which is already a thing. Like, you know, there are certain items like diary of a wimpy kid. It's shelved in YA and it's also shelved in juve. Now, if a kid with a kid's card goes up to the front, you know, the computer will flag be like, Hey, this is in the teens section. So all the person has to do who's checking the kid out is like, 
ask the parent, like, is this okay for them to check out? Easy. One okay. and done, you know. But these, you know, like, we're we're smack back in the fucking mid-80s with fucking Tipper Gore and her bullshit, you know, like, she hears a Prince song on the radio. Now, all of a sudden, they're banning Rocky Mountain High because they're, because they're thinking it's about drugs. Yeah, they might have been. Uh, who knows? Um. <laughs> but, but yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, that's that's where we're at in in this in this state right now. Yeah, that's uh, uh yeah. that's upsetting and, and these stupid. These same, you know, and... these same assholes who are preaching, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and rugged individualism and keep the government out of everybody's business have now passed a law that makes me as a librarian act as a second parent to some random kid right. because their parent can't bother to look at what they're checking out. Look, if we get into how all these people who want the big government to stay out of this, their business um, keep using big government to take away people's uh, rights, then we're going to be here a long time. Uh, so yeah, we yeah. Should, uh, should not do that right now. Um, Sorry, man. You know, just... It only happened recently, and it's 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 very, it's very upsetting. Because it makes my job needlessly harder. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. I, anyway. I, I want to be really clear that I'm not for censorship of any kind. That's what John Denver said at the uh, right, yeah, PMRC <laughs> hearings. I was, like, I was like, I did not think that you were based on the "Are you there?" Got to be Margaret conversation. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, <laughs> I am definitely not. Um, anyway, sorry, uh, Kevin. Incidentally, it's your turn. Right, uh, Jr. Do you want to talk about Asteroid City? Sure thing. Cool. Jared so talk during all of our turns. Basically. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I made a special trip to the theater to see Wes Anderson's new film, Asteroid City, which the main body of the movie is a play, which is also cuts back and forth between behind the scenes stuff of how the play was made and who made it and <clears throat> all that kind of good stuff. And I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Like, I thought it was, like, when I watched it, it was like, okay, this is the Wes Anderson that I know and love. This one, you know, like, I'm not trying to shit on French Dispatch. I think it's a really good movie, but it wasn't, like, this was the, for all of its jumping back and forth, like, this was the cohesive narrative from him that I was looking for that I think was missing in French Dispatch. Yeah. Uh, I agree, and I thought the two kind of, and it's actually, it's, it's more than two, but I thought the multiple sort of parts, the multiple, oh, parts sounds weird, but it's, 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 it, I, I've heard it described as like a nesting doll structure, um, and like the multiple parts of that, I think, really do come together and also complement each other well, and, mm. um, and, you know, since the people in this main play, which is in color and, you know, everything in the trailer that you see is is from the the like filmed version of, of the play that they are performing, right? Um the uh the characters we see um like versus the actors we get who are uh all in black and white and the behind the scenes stuff, uh I thought were great. Um like I love like Jason Schwartzman's performance 
in the play as like the super gruff, very non Jason Schwartzman type, who's very um, you know, blunt. He doesn't and uh, emotionally uncomfortable. You know, he doesn't know how to tell his kids that uh, their mother has died. He uh, he's very gruff, and I I love the sort of the the version we get of him uh, in black and white, like the actor playing that character, uh, who is very different, like still. Um, in some ways insecure, but just much more like comfortable embodying people. I I loved I loved uh, those two sides. I love and I love the way that they did that with uh, multiple characters. I also just thought that virtually every performance in this movie was awesome, even if it has like probably too many characters. Like it's great the way that Wes Anderson filled these out, and most characters get like uh, at least a couple of good lines, but. Yeah, like I don't really know why Hope Davis is here because she, she really just has like two, like two little parts of a scene, and that's that's it. Uh, but you know, she showed up and got paid and had fun, so it's fine. Um, yeah. And you know, I had mentioned earlier uh, in the podcast, I Jeffrey Wright plays a uh, a general in this uh, in like in the play who has shown up to uh, bestow like a scholarship to one of these brilliant children who have made uh, like sci-fi inventions basically. Um, and the speech that he gives uh, when they're presenting their, uh, I think for the most part, their weapons that they've made, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, the speech that he gives, I thought was incredible. Jeffrey Wright, I found to be very funny. Loved all the, uh, the general stuff. Yeah. And like, I thought uh, like this one, has like so <clears throat> JR um i noticed or at least i thought like i saw like a lot of stanley kubrick in this movie like a lot of like i really thought like the way schwartzman's like when he's in that character with the beard like i thought the beard was like similar to kubrick and like um there's that shot where like it's looking directly overhead and the um the UFO is coming down mm-hmm. and like you can kind of see the, like the rim of the crater like to me that was straight out of 2001 and even like the the little um when the kid is like trying to give the soldier the money for the payphone i thought that was straight out of um strange love what do you think i wasn't thinking about that i could see that i was uh I was even I was seeing other things. I think there's just a lot of visual references happening here. It was mm-hmm. like I was like honing out on like uh, there's stuff about like what Steve Carell's doing that reminds me, um, and, and not just of Steve Carell, but like of the hotel and the way that it's set up and the way he talks about it. That was reminding me of like Jacques Tati and his sort of uh, you know visions of like silly futures. Um, yeah, and. Especially with all the yeah. vending machine stuff. Yes. It's very yeah. mon uncle. Um, and then I was also seeing, like, uh, like in the black and white, I, I feel like they're doing... Uh, maybe not, like, one particular movie, but, like, I feel like they're, they're definitely, like, modeling things off of, like, um, like Marlon Brando, like, era, mm. like, uh, like, method, like, early method stuff um, yeah. coming from the stage. <laughs> And I, I thought all of that was uh, was really cool. Uh, and there's like a way to watch this movie where 
you just play spot the reference the entire time, which yeah. <laughs> uh, I actually often like hate. Uh, like, this is one reason I hate Ready Player One, both in novel and movie form. Uh, but also like the references in the like it's just too obvious. It's too, and it's like references only for nostalgia. Uh, mm. I guess they give Wes Anderson the benefit of the doubt that um, he is referencing things that like he thinks make his story more interesting. And uh, at least in this mm. movie, I, I agree with him. Uh, yeah. Cause I, this is like the most I've enjoyed a Wes Anderson movie in uh, in a long time. I don't know how long mm. I loved it. Yeah. John, you're going to go hey. see it. Uh, no, but no. I will. See, I mean, I'll see it when it comes out. I'm not spending money to see this movie. I'm, I'm sorry, guys, this, This will not do it for me. I just know. I just I, I'm not convinced that it's going to be any different than any other Wes Anderson movie that I've seen in the last ten years. That has also been not that great. So it's just not for me. It's not my. It's not my aesthetic. Well, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, I hope. I hope, hates, you'll, uh, I hope you'll at least give it a fair shake. Unlike some, <laughs> some others who like, Ooh. like that guy Andrew James that you follow. Yeah, like, I, I saw I saw his review. Oh, shit about him. Andrew? <laughs> Just kidding with you. What did he say about it? He didn't like it. Yeah, he didn't like it, and he like it, hmm. it, was, it was weird because I like I saw if his. He listens. Be careful. <laughs> All kidding. right. Well, I I yeah. hope you know, like you know, like no, not I'm trying to kidding. not trying to shit on you, Andrew. I'm just you know like. Like for this, okay. like for this, and for the Super Mario Brothers movie, like in yeah. both reviews, he says. What is this? What is this supposed to be? And it's like they're yeah. movies. Like, well, like well, just I, just because they don't like, fit uh, into your yeah. your milieu, so to speak. Like, <laughs> like I hope you can, you know, like. <laughs> he does say in his review the people feeling affected from this movie, finding it funny, something deep. Good on you. More power to you. So that's well, his. and <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you know, like I'm not gonna like look up something he's given five stars and be like, "Oh, you fucking asshole!" Because you, know? you already did. His uh, <laughs> his top four are Big Trouble in Little China, Clockwork Orange, Dirty Harry, and Rachel Getting Married. So a very eclectic bunch of films, um, all over the map, really. But yeah, I mean, I haven't seen Rachel at the Wedding, but the other the other three I'd say are good. Dirty I don't. Hair is, I, Dirty Harry is a weird one, man. Yeah, it's a weird one to include there. Yeah. I can't say Clockwork Orange is a favorite just because the last time I saw it, there's there's just I don't know people. This is this is a, a I think a, a lot of people will probably like maybe they'll have seen like the Stanley Kubrick references that I thought were there. Maybe they're not there. Maybe I'm just you know just seeing what I want to see. But I I feel like a lot of people who are like fans of his particularly like they want so bad for you know to look at him as the quote-unquote you know god of cinema if i can quote jordan and you know like they're not willing to look at some of the inherent goofiness that is like i've brought up the like the slapstick sequence that's in lolita you know a number of times and on like um clockwork orange like when they're having the fight scene in the theater it's like they're very obviously leaping off of trampolines. That's and, great. But, every, but everybody wants me to think that this is some gritty, realistic... Well, it is violent. I mean, depiction, Depictions of violence, and it's like... 
it's goofy as fuck. You know, well, I mean, granted, it's contrasted with like a really hardcore rape scene, but still. I mean, I, I think it's very violent moments. I, yeah, I mean, I think that the uh, like the Stanley Kubrick like hardos are are weird. I agree with you, Kevin. Uh, however, uh, I don't necessarily agree with your criticisms. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't remember Lolita well enough, but I, you know, it's like, I'm okay with him being in, in the pantheon. Um, you know, sure. uh, I am a pagan, um, film lover. I have many gods. Um, and I'm okay with Stanley Kubrick being one of the deities in that, uh, in on Mount Olympus, <laughs> you know, that's good. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, and I mean, I still love, like, Strange Love and 2001 are epic masterpieces, and no one's going to dissuade me on that. Um, it's just, like, let's, you know, let's not get guy's, too carried away with some of this stuff. Guy's great, man. <laughs> yeah. He had a long career. He's got to have, a, he's gotta have uh, something in there that's not uh, as good as everything else, you know? Right. Uh, every director does. <laughs> Except... No, no, yeah. I, was gonna say, I can't think of a director who's had a long career like that who's done nothing but good stuff. So, yeah, I mean, he, like, honestly, for me, he'd be like one of the closest. <laughs> so, like, I think everything he did after, fuck, I mean, starting with Strange Love or starting, yeah, starting with Strange Paz, Love, I think it's good. Paths of Glory, yeah, starting with Paths of Glory. Paths of Glory. Well, I, I, I didn't see. Uh, right. Was Paths of Glory? Yeah, Paths of Glory was after Spartacus. Uh, um, no. Spartacus was 63, right? No, Spartacus. I'm pretty sure Paths of Glory was 50. <clears throat> pretty sure Spartacus was in the 60s. Mm, it's 1960, Let's... 60 even. Okay, so Paths of Glory was before that. Okay, I didn't see Spartacus, yeah. so I don't know. Well, yeah, Paths of Glory was 57. Paths of Glory rocks, yeah, I agree. Spartacus is, is, a, is an outlier, not in the sense that it's bad, just in the sense that it's like his one sort of like studio, mm. you know, gun for hire gig uh yeah. but you know i remember it being good yeah uh maybe that'll be my like i don't like the killing i know everybody loves the killing i don't like the killing i never saw lolita i love fear and desire everybody hates fear and desire so i, I don't know i have a lot of different sort of feelings about yeah. him but well, um that's okay I mostly watch, i think i should great. watch fear and desire again because that that rating that i gave it is not fair but most I'll, but people, you know most people hate it, dude. I don't know. Hey, your Andrew James hates it, so <laughs> I, hey, my boy. <laughs> the dialogue Andrew, and performance are terrible. Yeah. So please please come on the podcast, Andrew. Well, hey, we should get him on the podcast. Yeah. Actually, that'd be a good idea. I will what? I will say like I like aspects of the killing, but like that's one that like the narration needs to be just cut and burned. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that would that would bring it up a lot. I agree with you. I don't like the narration either. Yeah, it's because it's in many cases it's absolutely one hundred percent needless. Thursday, four oh six p.m. Yeah, I think that's it. Spartacus and Lolita are the only two features that I haven't seen by him. I've seen every oh. other, f- and I haven't seen his two uh, short films. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Lolita's weird, man. I'll watch it eventually. It is weird. Anyway, uh, about a movie. Yeah, Jr. Your turn, bud. All right, cool. Um, (laughs) I'm just gonna keep rocking with um, 
you know, 2023 movies that I thought Keep were really fucking good. 2023 movies I thought were really good. That, almost, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. that almost fit. That almost fit. <laughs> um, so I watched Past Lives. Went to the theater for Past Lives. Um, I was like, man, if I don't see this in theaters, I'm going to regret it because it's going to be on a bunch of like top 10 lists for the year. Just people are loving it so much. I'm like, it's going to be boring as shit. It's like this romance, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Uh, and I was wrong. It, uh, well, I liked it. Um, this is about, uh, two young friends, or it starts, it's, we have three, um, it's about a couple, like, uh, who have a friendship, they have a relationship, and we, we meet them at three different points, uh, in that relationship. The first is as, uh, two young friends who are very quickly, uh, separated, when uh, the girl Nora's family uh, emigrates from Korea to Canada. And um, we next see their friendship um, 12 years later when Nora is in grad school in New York to be a writer. And the the boy, the guy uh, whose name is Haesung, uh, he has finished his uh, mandatory military service in Korea and is kind of working his way through school, figuring out what what he wants to do. Uh, and we mostly see their interactions like through um, at this point would have been, you know, early Zoom, Skype, video chat uh, interactions. Um, and then we the next time we see them, the final time we see them is um, another decade or so later when Nora is uh, married in New York and uh, a playwright and his song is uh He's figuring out his life working in Korea and decides to uh, just like take a trip to the U.S. Um, it is a very just like simple and like beautifully told told tale of like a, of a relationship sometimes as just like a friendship sometimes uh, as you know like clearly um, clearly like two people romantically longing after each other uh, and messes around with some ideas of fate and reincarnation, but um, I think it works because the two people at the center of it are just like incredibly natural together. They have a very sort of lived in, it feels like a lived in relationship at each of those three points. Um, even though for two of those, they haven't like seen each other or talked to each other in a very long time. And uh, just both performances by, uh, by Greta Lee as Nora and, uh, you Teo as a uh, hey song they're just like they're awesome uh and we get uh we get Megaro in there as uh as Greta Lee's husband in the uh, in the third section love Megaro and uh and he's and he's great he's great loved uh, him in showing up yep which so good I'll just very quickly say uh I'll just reiterate that I watched that and I've loved that as well um that movie is awesome but yeah, um, you know, I said the word longing, romantic longing, uh, which means you know, you know you what I'm yearn, thinking, Jerry. <laughs> just, just sorry, Jerry. Look, there's uh, there's some Wonka right no, here. You more know, craving, I'm... you know, constant <laughs> craving. <laughs> sorry, Wonka Wai. Go ahead. You guys in your sitcoms. Um, yeah, I, Celine Song, the director's definitely <clears throat> channeling some uh, some Wonka Wai here mm-hmm. in uh, in tone and feel, if not. You know, like in look, this doesn't look like a Wonka Wai film. That's great. It, does, it looks good. Um, there's also, I just want to mention this because it's my least favorite part of the movie. Um, early on, there's definitely like some 
Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind vibes. Uh, and then that gets ruined because she has characters actually talk about Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind. And so I got really mad. And I was like, you can't do that. Yikes. You can't do it. So this would have been a five, if maybe, not for that. Maybe it'll be a five next time I watch it. Because, I, again, I was, I was totally in love with what was happening here. Um, almost every second of it. The performances are just are so good. Um, highly recommend. Not that you guys probably even have a chance to go see it, but uh, when this it is actually all actually is playing here, it has been for oh, a cool. few weeks. I just haven't got around to watching it, but well, when it shows up on um, uh, Paramount Plus with Showtime, because I think uh, Paramount probably, Plus with Showtime isn't that what they just did? Par- I don't know. Showtime is, is now. Yeah, that Showtime is now like an added oh, like okay. premium feature of Paramount Plus. Great. Uh we said you have to pay for me, yeah, pay for it. Oh, well fuck that. I'll just I think for it to come up black. The A twenty four uh well yeah, that too. The A twenty four movies go to uh the Showtime streaming service, which sucks. Mm. Yeah, who has who has money for all these services? Yeah. We used to if you had a Showtime like cable account you had access to the uh the app like the streaming service who has showtime on cable like what kind of an old man has that well it is it's old people who don't realize they're paying for it right exactly Ah, my dad was paying like 260 dollars for his internet and cable and stuff and he's like i don't even know why it's that expensive i don't know what's going on i told him just cancel your tv you watch two channels for god's sake Get yeah. get a uh, Philo or uh, you know YouTube TV or something and pay ten bucks a month and watch uh, watch your stupid Bonanza reruns and uh, your Christian shows on the weekends and be done with it. And that's what yeah. he did. He's been very happy with it. So nice. good, good. Yeah. All right. Uh, I am. I am out. I'm done. Oh, oh Jesus Christ. Okay. Well, I've got. I went through all the yeah. movies I said I would talk about. I've got four more to talk about. Motherfuck, <laughs> dude. Sorry. I can. I can put two together though. Um. So Alan Arkin died uh, this past mm. week uh, at the ripe old age of nine eighty nine. Yeah, eighty nine. And uh, so I watched. Decided to watch uh, his one of his directorial films that he directed um, <laughs> his second movie that he directed, I think. Yeah. Called little murders his best known uh, directorial uh, starring Elliot Gould and Marsha Rod and uh, John Randolph and some other people. Uh, Donald Sutherland shows up for a second as does Alan Arkin himself. And uh, I liked Little Murders a lot. It's about a man, Elliot Gould, who's a self-proclaimed nihilist who just doesn't care about anything, just goes through life. All he wants to do is take pictures of shit on the sidewalk, literal shit. And uh, he, wow. uh, he meets this woman played by Marsha Rod, who's <clears throat> Patsy. God, I really hope that's who it is. Yeah, that's Patsy. Okay. So he meets Patsy. Uh, who is sort of like the polar opposite, who, like, he's directionless, and she's, like, all about, like, okay, I need to get married. I want to have, a fam- like, the nuclear family. I want to have, you know, my family approve. I want, you know, uh, a good job and to be, you know, financially stable with a good man and everything. And she sort of tries to mold him into that person uh, as they 
fall in love, but he has trouble admitting that he loves her or even likes her really. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, her parents don't like him at all. And, uh, it's got these really like sort of weird surrealist moments in it, which are fun. <clears throat> and when Arkin shows up towards the end of the film, it really devolves into a full on like Charlie Kaufman sort of situation. Um, where the the world around them really really uh, turns on its ear, and it reminded me a lot of actually uh, Bo is Afraid. The last like twenty minutes of this movie are a lot like the first thirty minutes of that movie, um, which is just uh, paranoia about uh, the big city and how scary a big city can be, and the sort of inhabitants of that city and what they want from you, and uh, the danger that arises from even just walking down the street. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I really enjoyed it uh, a lot. I thought it was like philosophically dense and uh, just really exploring interesting things and worth your time. And when Alan Arkin shows up, his character, he is like, he, his performance is so at 11. Like he's just, <laughs> it is like, you can't help but watch him. It's crazy, dude. Like he just he's bouncing off the walls. It's absolutely insane. Um, and then I also watched uh, Freebie and the Bean, which is a movie directed by Richard Rush from 1974 that's uh, starring Alan Arkin and James Caan as two police officers in 1970s San Francisco, and they're trying to bring down a local hijacking boss. Uh, but they have to also like protect him because he's got a hit out on him by the mob. <laughs> so it's like their job to make sure he doesn't die so they can arrest him. And it's definitely like super proto lethal weapon. Mm. Uh, like, you know, odd couple, but they're, but they're police partners and uh, it's super politically incorrect. Ooh, <laughs> especially for now. Um, Alan mm. Arkin's playing a Hispanic man. <laughs> which he, he did a, quite a bit actually in his career. Mm. And he is not Hispanic as far as I know, but, and uh, James Conn is extremely racist towards Hispanics. So he's like calling him uh, all the, the bad uh, words. So, and that's why it's called the freebie and the bean. He's the bean because he's a wow. Mexican person. And, um, <clears throat> or I don't know if it's just say he's from Mexico or if he's just his like sort of generally Hispanic. I don't think they, I don't know if they say what country he's, he's supposed to be from, but Mm. Or his family is supposed to be from. He doesn't. He doesn't put on an accent or anything. And there's also a lot of um, like homophobic slurs in this movie. Mm. Uh, and there's like a, a sort of a transgender character, but you know, obviously not being referred to that way. Being referred to as like a crossdresser or a uh, mm. the f word, the bad f word. Right. And uh, and James Conn like mumbles throughout the entire film, so I had to turn subtitles on because I could not fucking understand what James Conn was saying. <laughs> but all that being said, uh, really, really, really enjoyed uh, Freebie and the Bean just as a, again, just as like a fun police thriller uh, mm. comedy in the sort of Shane Black tradition, but way before Shane Black. And uh, yeah, it's got some good action in it. And uh, a lot of destruction, like the amount of destruction Riggs and Murtaugh do in the Lethal <laughs> Weapon series is like nothing compared to what these guys do. Wow. Like they, they really 
I mean, they would definitely be fired and probably arrested after like the first incident in this movie. So <laughs> if it were reality, but anyway, yeah, it's a good movie. Check out freebie and the beam. Nice. Kevin. Okay. So, so I'll go through, uh, some animes that I went through. Um, so the first one was mind game, which I found on shutter. Uh, this was, this was a weird one. Like, the animation is, like, some, it's, like, a weird, like, cross between, I don't, like, there's some, uh, triplets of Belleville in there, and there's something else that I was comparing it to while I was watching it that, of course, for the life of me, I cannot remember what it was now. Um, but yeah, it's a really whacked out story. There's this dude who, um... He's really in love with this girl, but he's, like, too shy and, like, um, can't tell her. And then he ends up getting murdered by a Yakuza in a diner. And he dies and insists to God that, like, no, I, you know, I need to go back and I need to do this. And so he ends up, like, outrunning God and then goes back to, like, a couple of seconds before he, um, before he dies and then uh even more hilarity Sweet. ensues <laughs> yeah it it's on shutter so it's it's easy to see um yeah it's 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 wacky out there man um then in a slightly more traditional vein i watched a silent voice which is about this girl who is deaf and she's bullied for being deaf and then the main bully, like, years later, like, meets her again and starts to – and he feels guilty for what he did. And they end up making – sort of making amends, and their friend group kind of coalesces again, and he's dealing with suicidal thoughts. And, um, like, it's fine for, you know, kind of slice-of-life drama. And finally uh, – I watched Only Yesterday, directed by Isao Takahata, and it's another, like, slice of life with this woman who's looking back at her childhood and going to visit the countryside that her grandmother lives in, and um, honestly don't really have that much to say about it. Like, uh, kind of the same with um, Princess Kaguya, like... This guy, like, you know, this guy, like, started guy. his career. Well, he started his feature film career at 11 with Grave of the Fireflies. And then from there, like, I don't know, like, that's that's a peak that, you know, of emotional filmmaking that I think only, you know, if you're really good, it only comes around once, if that. So, I don't know, maybe the other stuff that he's done might be better. I'll be checking it out because I figure I'll go through the rest of the Studio Ghibli feature films. You're committed. Yeah. I mean, why not? They're there. They're on Max. They're all on Max. So it's it's easy. Um, uh, Kevin, have we ever spoken about um, Makoto Shinkai, anime director? Who maybe? did. Uh, like his biggest one is Your Name. Yeah, I watched that a while ago. Um,. I, I thought, you know, I thought it was a little long and convoluted. 
Um, yeah, all of his movies are convoluted, but uh, some of the stuff he did before that was like definitely on the shorter side. Like he has a pretty powerful like forty minute, you know, little anime movie, and, and then whatever. I I have connected with some of his stuff. Not not your name though, but I uh, I started uh, Suzume, his uh, one that just came out like two nights ago and haven't finished it yet but oh yeah it's interesting so far yeah i watched uh weathering with you which was fine i was i was confused by the ending because i thought it was like really like that's kind of lame and uh anyway um but yeah i'll i'll definitely i'll definitely look through and like if i can if I can find any of this stuff, I got my brother's uh, Crunchyroll oh, login, cool. so maybe some of that is on there. So John is groaning right now. He hates anime chat. That's not true. <laughs> I don't hate anime chat. I'm just not interested in any of these films that you guys are talking about, except maybe that mind game sounds kind of interesting. But I, I think you would you would get a kick out of it. Um, yeah, I might. But yeah, I mean, at some point. But yeah, like I don't it is it is kind of, you know, like like I it's funny, like because of really because of Toonami, like I can say that I like anime, I enjoy it. Yeah. But I I I'm definitely not an anime head. Like I I like a lot of it, but I think, you know, like like Miyazaki I think has a lot of good stuff, but all but a lot of it is kind of yeah, it's fine. Some of it's pretty good, but I mean you know, but like then I don't know you, stuff like you know Otomo and Satoshi Kon and um like um Oshii like his uh, Angel Leg like that's like that's my stuff like this like dark sci-fi like um you know surreal um meditations on reality and you know and stuff like like i i still think you know like like when i texted you guys that uh tiktok of jordan peele talking about um what imax movie he would see it's like for me it was like akira instantly like no no thought went into that for me, like if we're talking about like an immersive experience, it would have to be Akira, you know, from like all aspects. See, for me, I don't, that's not what I get from the, I agree with you that Akira would be great, but I don't get that from the question, like about um, immersion, because I think he, he looks at it that way too. That's why he said alien, but like mm. IMAX for me is just like spectacle. You want like the biggest, most bombastic, like spectacle of a film that you can get the most beautiful looking, beautifully shot, you know? So like Akira makes sense for me. I yeah. want to see something epic, like apocalypse. Now I say, you know, and like mm. what Jar said, heat makes tons of sense to me too, but like alien makes no sense to me at all <laughs> to see. Uh, I mean, not that I wouldn't watch it in IMAX, but you know, I just, it feels like a strange choice, but you know. uh, you know. to I, do like, their own. I do like alien though. But uh, anyway, okay. I've got, look, look, I've got, three more to talk about, including my homework. And one of them, and I would, I would jettison them, but 
I, one of them is Lawrence of Arabia, and I'm assuming you guys talk about Lawrence of Arabia. Talk and about the other it. One is, uh, the other one I gave a four and a half to, so I can't not talk about it. <laughs> okay. Um, Go ahead, dude. Okay, so I watched Lawrence of Arabia, uh, directed by David Lean. Uh, it did take me three sittings to watch it, just because of I had my kid and stuff, you know. But, okay. um, yeah, so this is the classic um, adventure film that is... Extremely long. It's three hours and uh, thirty. What minutes. did it? What did it beat out for best picture? I don't know. Sixty-two. I don't know. To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, wow. I like this better than To Kill a Mockingbird for sure. Mm. Um, but I don't. But I do have lots of problems with it, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I have notes uh, for. Um, yep. my main ones are sort of things that are just of the time, like the idea of like Alec Guinness and brown face is offensive and weird. And, uh, I'm not yep. a fan of that. I yeah. like his, his performance is not bad. Complaint. It's just a weird thing to see. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, let's see. The score was like the main, the main theme of the score reminded me so much of the mummy. And I know that the mummy is lifting from this movie, but it's like just having seen the mummy so much it was really distracting. I was like, this sounds <laughs> just like the mummy. Uh, obviously, great cinematography. Um, but I will say the landscapes are doing a lot of heavy lifting. I mean, like they're you know, it's like how, how are you gonna not sh- like you shoot the landscape, it looks great, it's right? It's like put, what a, you put, a, yeah. put a camera on a dune and it, you know, it's right. Fine. But yeah. it is beautiful. Some of the sort of like sand dusting over the landscape stuff that he gets is really beautiful. Mm. Um, David Lean, talentless hack. We know this. <laughs> we know this. The only David Lean movie I've seen. So the well oh. scene is incredible. The scene when uh, he first meets Omar Sharif's character, um, whose name is Sharif Ali. Uh, yeah, when he first meets him and like that, he kills that guy at the well. That that shit rocked. I like that whole scene a lot. And I liked Lawrence's reaction to it. Shows you a lot about who he is, which is great. Was not a fan of. Um, Sorry, I'm jumping all over the place, but uh, I totally forgot. The the way the movie opens with the motorcycle accident and the mm. funeral, um don't need any of that. Don't know I don't even know why that's in there. It's completely irrelevant and like you could jettison all that and just start with him in the military in Cairo. I think it would have been a better movie for it. I don't think it's necessary to know how he died since he died so much later. Um I like uh, the script. I think the script is really well written. I like some of the back and forth between Lawrence and the other guy. I like how Lawrence is able to convince them of certain things and how he's like a good talker and he's smart and they're smart, but he's like, you know, they manipulate each other and things. And uh, I really like the sort of, I didn't see it coming, which I can't believe I didn't see it coming. But like when that guy, when he goes, he goes back to save that guy, you know, and Omar Sharif's like, you're a fool. You're going to die out there. And then he actually does it. And they're all cheering and shit. And then later on, when there's that blood battle between the two tribes and he says, I'll execute the guy who did it. And then the guy who did it is the guy he saved. (laughs) I was like, that's good. That is some good stuff. And I love the fact that he just fucking does it. (laughs) <laughs> like he, he doesn't. He's like, he feels bad about it, but he just does it. He knows it has to be done. He's got to get it done, and he just blows the guy away. And I like the idea of later on when he tells the uh, officer, he's like, you know, I shot this man and I enjoyed it, and that bothers me that I enjoyed that because I shouldn't enjoy violence and it's a bad thing. And uh, I like that aspect of his character, but his character is super obnoxious uh, <laughs> during a lot of the other uh, parts of the film. 
He's super whiny a lot of the time, and uh, it's a little annoying. And I don't, I don't. This is maybe sacrilege. I don't love Peter O'Toole's performance in this. Um, might be my least favorite performance of the entire film, actually. But he's not bad in it. He's just not as good as everybody else. And it makes sense because it's what's his first big movie, right? I mean, he's his yeah, introduced I mean, Peter O'Toole, right? So <laughs> maybe he's not up to Anthony Quinn's level, you know? Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, ooh, why did Lawrence go to the Turkish city? It accomplished nothing. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Oh, he just got beat. That's where he gets beaten up and gets whipped, you know? Which is another problem I have with like the sort of like how the story progresses. He goes to the city, he gets caught, he gets beaten. And then all of a sudden he's just like, I'm done. I'm not interested anymore. Like he gets traumatized out of it so quickly. And it's like, it didn't seem believable to me because he was so committed before. And then the way he sort of, it feels, you know, it felt like, it felt like those, that moment in the movies in like teen comedies or whatever, where like, there's like a character, like two friends and they have a falling out, like in the, in the end of the second act, you know, and then there's like a, the whole third act, they hate each other's guts, but at the very end, they have to come back together to do something important, save the prom or whatever it is. It's, <laughs> it felt, felt like that. Um, yeah, so that was just like tonally weird and mm. uh, forced and quick. And uh, But otherwise, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I didn't think it um, was overly long. I mean, it is overly long, but it didn't feel long. It, mm. Like, yeah. the time was good. And I like. Uh, I like most of what I saw, so I love the 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 dual image of like him when he first gets his robes and he looks into his reflection in the knife, and then later on that's like repeated after he murders all those guys. He's got the bloody knife and he looks at his reflection again, but now he's all bloody. That shit rocks. <laughs> anyway, hey man, congratulations! I know I don't know what made you do this. Uh, but I'm sure it's something that you've been dreading uh, for most of your adult <laughs> life, and uh, I'm glad you I'm glad you took the plunge. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've been dreading it. Yeah, you know, I just kind of I saw it and I was like, you know what? I got time. It's the summer. I might as well plow through this thing. And uh, glad I did. I think I'll watch uh, Doctor Zhivago. <laughs> uh, yeah, we get some more Sharif for sure. Uh, yeah, Julie Christie. Know, there you go. I also I also recommend going backwards. Um, See yeah. Alec Guinness not in brownface uh, in the bridge on the River Kwai. Yeah, I want to watch that too. Which I, I like even more. Um, Kevin, you have others? No, I'm out. Jesus. Okay, so quickly, <laughs> uh, I watched One Trick Pony, directed by Robert M. Young from 1980. Wait, this written, is the four and a half? Yes, written by and starring Paul Simon. CJR is not, oh, wow. not buying well, it. I thought, he was, buying I it. thought he was going with something else that he gave four and a half. Well, I mean, I have to talk about Thin Blue Line. So. Oh, yeah. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Oh, no, I'm not. I don't have anything to say about that. It was beautifully animated. It's astonishing what the animators are accomplishing in that movie in 1938. And it blew my mind, which is why it's a four and a half. Sweet. Okay, One Trick Pony, Paul Simon. Sorry, One Trick Pony is written by Paul Simon. It's starring Paul Simon, and apparently a lot of people have a big problem with that. Uh, they call it his vanity project, and that, you know, it's just him trying to, like, make himself the star of a movie and trying to turn his uh, success in the record industry into a movie career, and it didn't work, and this movie is a huge bomb. Sounds like The weekend. There you go, right? Ooh. It's like weekend. Um, But also, like, 
this is 1980. This yeah. is like way, way into his career. And also like, he's the first one to have done this. <laughs> well, I don't know. All, it's, <laughs> like, just all the, it's all the, um, all the like sort of negative reviews you see mention that it's his passion project and it's a vanity project and that, you know, like they, I don't know, which I, I didn't know any of that going into it. And, um, I'm glad I didn't because maybe that would have colored my opinion. I don't know. But uh, this is a, just a very, very, very watchable, enjoyable hangout movie with extremely low stakes. It's like a Linklater film. I, I, if Linklater was not inspired by this, I would be extremely surprised. Like he had to have seen this movie. There are shots in this. The way, they, he hang, the way that Robert M. Young hangs on dead space after certain scenes for seconds on end is so much like slacker that it's like bizarre. Mm. Like it'll remind you of slacker. And, um, it's shot by the, by, uh, one of, uh, Ken Russell's, uh, DPs who shot, uh, Lair of the white worm and savage Messiah. And he also mm. shot sorcerer and it looks oh. beautiful. Yeah. This movie looks great. And there are some amazing sort of directorial touches on it. Um, there's particular early on in the film, there's like this shot from inside of a kick drum. And it's like it's clear, and you see the you see Paul Simon and playing on the other side of it, but it's like vibrating with the rhythm. And uh, it's this movie sort of uh, uh, functions as a concert film almost because it's like got these long sequences of Paul Simon and his band in the movie playing songs from this album, One Trick Pony. Um, but it does that doesn't that, and I think that normally would like rub me the wrong way, but actually like. I don't know. The songs aren't bad. And like, I, you get to know the band so much. Cause there's so much of this, like them hanging out in the van talking and shit. And, uh, it just makes, I don't know. It seems to make sense the way it's paced, but anyways, and then there's also like, um, I guess the, the big conflict in the film is him trying to sort of, uh, he's fighting against the record company. You know, they want him to make a, a commercial single. They want to, and like Lou Reed plays his, uh, the engineer on the song and he like wants to add strings to everything. And <laughs> Paul Simon's having to fight him. He's like, we want it more raw, you know, we want it to sound nasty and everything. And, uh, it's great. It's just, it's just a, a lot of fun. And like Rip Torn is in this. And, um, and, uh, like I said, Lou Reed shows up briefly. It's a lot of fun. Harry Shearer weirdly shows up. Mm. Uh, and a scene as his agent. <laughs> yeah, it's just really good. I don't know. Paul Simon is like four feet tall. Like if that, like he's so short, dude, it's crazy. <laughs> he, every person he comes in contact with is a foot taller than him. It's insane. Um, he's not a great actor. I will say that, but it's almost like watching a non-actor mm. like in a link later movie, like in slacker, you see these non-actors, you know, it's like watching one of them. It's, it's, it's fun. And there's also musical sequences by other bands like the B-52s and Love and Spoonful. And, ooh, my only problem with it was that uh, all the needle drops in the movie are Paul Simon songs, which is sort of, you know, annoying. So it's like... <laughs> kind of sounds like a vanity project. Well, yeah. So it's like even... so. It's, well, they're all from this album. Like, he made an album called One Trick Pony. So it's like... All, sure he like, did. So he's like making these... He's playing sales, the songs. Sales synergy, yeah. He's playing the songs, uh, and you're watching him play the entire song, and like in the next scene, there's a different song that draws. It's like him still singing, but it's over the soundtrack. It's just a little bit like, you know, could have used some other, some other, uh, 
music. But uh, anyway, this ends in a very satisfying way. I love the ending. Uh, I love this fucking movie. This is a great film, and I'm going to watch two more Robert Young films in very quick succession. This guy did uh, Ballad of Gregorio Cortez oh. and Alan Brista. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going to watch Short Eyes and Triumph of the Spirit, which are two of his other well-regarded films. He's a, he's a slept-on director, I think, because Gregorio Cortez is great. Um, yeah. Sorry. Okay. And then lastly, I hate that I'm the only one. <laughs> lastly, I'll talk about the Thin Blue Line, which I had to watch because of uh, losing last week's um, Letterbox Roulette. This is the seminal crime documentary, true crime documentary from Errol Morris about the murder of a police officer in Texas, in Dallas, and the subsequent arresting of the individual's uh, involved and there's sort of conflicting storylines about what actually happened that night. And this is a great film, a great documentary, the template for all true crime to follow. I think pretty much it set up a lot of, uh, sort of aesthetics for those types of documentaries that, uh, filmmakers are still using a lot today. Reenactments and the use of the use of like cinematics, to, to, to do the reenactments too, like slow motion and things like this and uh, just make things dramatic. And um, that slow-mo shot of the milkshake hitting the ground, it's it's beautiful. <laughs> it is beautiful. <laughs> um, and, the, the of course, the, uh, the interviews with subjects, some of the subjects talking directly into the camera at times, which is really cool. Um, newspaper clippings, a great Philip Glass score. This is uh, the best Errol Morris film that I've seen. I'm not a huge Errol Morris fan, so I did not like Gates of Heaven, for instance, or Tabloid. I did like Tabloid. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't love I like his Fog stuff before. War. Yeah, I love Fog of War as well. I didn't see Fog of War. I haven't seen a lot of the stuff. To be I fair. like Errol Morris, um, and I, this is like kind of where I'm like, he gets good. He gets good here. Because <laughs> some of his uh, some of his previous '90s stuff I wasn't like super into, like the like the Vernon Florida thing. It's like it's fine. You mean '80s stuff? Is that '80s? These are all '80s that we're talking about. Vernon Florida okay. and uh, Thin Blue Line are '80s. Okay, <clears throat> then yeah. <clears throat> I mean, this is the guy who made Werner Herzog eat his shoe. For goodness' sake, that's true. I did. I, I did like American Dharma. I think no, I didn't. I only had three stars. I thought I liked this. <laughs> I don't remember. Who knows? He interviews uh, Steve Bannon. I only gave uh, Tabloid three stars. Also, yeah, I don't. I don't know. He's I didn't see the Steve Bannon one. Uh, and then, yeah, I haven't seen a lot of his other ones, like Standing Operating Standard Operating Procedure or um, Brief History of Time. Didn't see these. So. I did like his Wormwood series on Netflix. Mm. Which was uh, yeah, I like that as well. Uh, I would uh, fiction. I would reckon I would recommend the standard operating procedure. Yeah, this is about sure. Guantanamo or Abu Ghraib. Oh, Abu Ghraib. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna check this one out. Anyway, yeah, Thin Blue Line is solid. I mean, you know, there's not a lot you can say about it. It's just a documentary. You don't want to ruin what happens in it, but it's great and uh, very very easy to watch. And, uh, yeah, very easy to watch. Unlike some scenes in our deep dive, the pledge transition, 
<laughs> from 2001, directed by Sean Penn. Now, this is, I don't know if you guys realize this, our second Sean Penn-directed Jack Nicholson starring Deep Dive. And That's they're right. Both, both chosen by me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, 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 we need to pile, compile a list of like which directors we've done two films from. Yeah. Because uh, Sean Penn's got to be the worst one. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> he's not he's not one that we should have done two movies from before we do you know two like, every time i'm like i'm choosing witness i'm gonna do witness next i'm like <laughs> can i can i choose the second peter weir movie like fuck yeah you should oh, do that be the just I mean, do I, it i would, I would love eventually. to watch witness dude i've been i've been dying to watch witness i will eventually i'll witness. watch it again i've never seen it love it i've seen the ending i will and I have another weir on there too. The the way back. Sorry, continue. Oh, see. I want to watch that too. Um, yeah, Peter Weir's great. Uh, so yeah, this movie's about Jerry Black, a retiring homicide detective or police chief. I guess is he police chief? Uh, he's not the. Sam Shepard's the chief. He's a. He says a police chief about oh, I, to retire. I know what it says. Which is why I started the movie confused. Okay. Uh, um, not the chief. Yeah, so he's not the chief, but he's somewhere. I think he ranks higher than just normal detective, though, right? Because Stan takes his office, and they have an he has his own office and everything. Yeah, he is like he's a secretary. He's definitely like maybe we'll we'll call him like head detective. I don't know what. uh, Yeah, yeah, sure. Maybe. Um, So, anyways, he's about to retire, but then there's this uh, little eight-year-old girl who gets uh, raped and murdered in. Nevada, northern Nevada, I'm assuming, because mm-hmm. um, it's, it's snowy, yeah. extremely snowy. And uh, he decides to stick around for a while and try to figure it out. And uh, it sort of slowly drives him mad by the end of the towards the throughout the throughout the course of the film, I should say. Um, yeah. And uh, there are a ton, ton of uh, cameos in this movie. Or one scenes like scene like single scenes with huge actors in them, mm-hmm. um, yeah, in in, a, in an almost distracting way. Sure, yeah. I mean, to be fair, some of these I think that that's true of like three scenes in particular, right? It's like the Helen Mirren scene, the Mickey Rourke scene, and the Vanessa Redgrave scene, and Harry Dean Stanton. But Harry Dean Stanton is just a character actor, so you could just sort of write that off as like you know. Yeah, like he's well, not a think, huge star or anything. Like he's just a. All right. Yeah. Well, I think, I think right. the the reveal of uh, Tom Noonan, like that, Im- like you know, that immediately made me think, like, oh, that's the killer. Yes. Well, he's, that's but, what you're supposed to think. I, I'm right. pretty sure. Well, yeah. <laughs> I that was very well, conscious uh, casting. I, yeah. In my mind, the um, red herring. So. Mm. Makes well, sense. In, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't I don't, now just, I uh, forgot what I was about to say. Benicio okay. del Toro, though. Benicio oh, del yeah, Toro sure. is very high, like on the cast list. Mm. And though his part is small, like his name high up makes sense based on uh, what he is, and especially what you think he is going to be. Like I thought that was a very good use of, of like using um, a bigger name. Or, in 2001, I'm pretty sure he was a bigger name, right? He had yeah, won the Oscar like right the year before. Okay. Right? Great. And for traffic, yeah, That's he like, won yeah, the. Yeah. Um, he is used uh, to great effect, even mm-hmm. if like I had issues with the well, whatever. Continue. <laughs> um, well, I guess we'll just start off by you know, like I mean, what did you guys think of the? I've seen this movie before at least twice, maybe three times. Um, we had this on VHS when I was a teenager. 
and I watched it quite a bit. Uh, what did you guys think of this movie? Look, I went in, I went in with some biases here. You know, I was like, I don't want to watch a Sean Penn movie. I don't, I don't like Sean Penn. I'm not a pen pal. I don't get it. Uh, he's like, <laughs> does not, not my favorite mm. performer. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. Um, Thank God he's I, not performing them. Yeah, you're right. Ooh. And I, I have no thoughts about him as a director. Um, and when the movie started was sort of like this, if not psychedelic sequence, but like, you know, sort of like it starts at the end with like Jack Nicholson really going through it. And we see him drinking out of uh, this uh, triangle bottle of scotch was like, where, I don't, where do you get a triangle bottle of scotch? Um, and I was just like, oh, this movie's going to be a fucking mess. I'm going to hate it. Uh, and I was wrong. I did not hate it at all. Um, and I didn't think the movie was a mess. Um, the movie was not what I thought it would be. Like, it's not the straight, like, um, detective gone rogue procedural that I thought it would be. Uh, there are elements of that. Um, but I was just very pleasantly surprised that it is, uh, it's more interesting than that. And, um, and that champagne got like what I thought was for the most part, like a really good Jack Nicholson performance, um, from this movie. And, you know, I'm not a performance guy, but the whole time I'm like, <laughs> um, <laughs> Like Jack Nicholson, like kind of holding back, but also, but also yes. doing a lot, a lot of like mm. a internal work here from, from Mr. Nicholson. Loved it. Uh, didn't love the movie. Love Nicholson. Um, mm. Liked the movie. Uh, yeah. Right. Kevin. I also liked the movie and yeah, like, like watching, watching Jack Nicholson, like, especially in this movie. Cause like, this is kind of, well, I mean, no, good as it gets was like ninety seven, ninety eight. So we're like, sounds right. Okay, yeah. So we're like well into it, well, well after you know he won his like third Oscar. Right. right. Anyway, um, but yeah, like like he is an actor who like as he's gotten further into his career, you can see where like you can see where he is pulling in his experience and making it work. Like, I think you really see that in this movie because, like, he's able to he's able to play manic. He's able to play procedure. He's able to play, you know, done this like like one thirty. Your appointments at one thirty. It's at the luau. It's one thirty at the luau. You know, it's like he's he this is obviously a conversation that he's had with his secretary many times before. And, you know. He just it all just comes off super easy and super natural, supernaturally, supernatural. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like a it's superhero. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, let's see with with the rest of it. Like I um, so I read on the Wikipedia like um, like we were talking about Tom Noonan, you know, a second ago, like apparently there was like more stuff that was supposed to be shot regarding his character and they ended up not shooting any of those scenes because apparently like this was the same studio that did battlefield earth and battlefield earth tanked so hard that they were like apparently they put pressure on sean penn to finish it on time and under budget so lots of stuff just did you know it, it didn't even make it onto film in the first place let alone 
end up on the cutting room floor. So uh, I think there, you know, was probably more. There was definitely more stuff with Noonan, and I think that like, so towards the, you know, you see it and at the beginning, and then you know it circles back at the end where like Nicholson is now in like full manic mode trying to keep this promise that he makes. But I feel like there was probably more that could have gone into, you know, him, like, at the beginning of the movie when he first takes the assignment, we don't really know, like, there's no indication for us that he could be tipped over into this manic state that he ends up in. And I feel like there was probably more that could have gone into the movie I th- I think it's I think the movie's too long at two two hours, but I think there could have been more stuff to like gradually build up how he's becoming this how he's getting into this manic state, and maybe you know some maybe some stuff from his past that could have <clears throat> figured into it. I uh... Um, so yeah like. I have I have a problem with like the actual like story as it unfolds, but an, all the performances I think were fantastic. <clears throat> I think uh, my ultimate issues with the movie come from a, a pretty similar uh, place, Kevin. Um, I in like I, I read the same thing um, on Wikipedia about what uh, Tom Noonan said, and I was like, actually, like we didn't need any more Tom Noonan Noonan in this movie. Like I. I it's like he's he's vindicated. He's not the killer, uh, and actually just kind of like leaving him as a weirdo red herring, like that works. We don't need to, as he put it, like find out that he is like the nice guy. Um, like just be a creepy preacher, man, and you know stop your snowplow in the middle of your shift to get out and say, uh, "Has your mommy told you the word?" Like that's great. Uh, it's creepy as fuck. You know what I mean by and, that? And, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm doing the rules, but yeah. I, but I agree that like where Nicholson ultimately ends up, I, I don't think is, is fleshed out enough. I think that um, like his obsession with the case ends up working because even before the case happens, like we see him uh, very uncomfortable at the party, like you immediately get the sense that like he is not ready to leave this job. He is not done. It's like too much of his identity. He doesn't have a wife. We, I mean, we learn he doesn't have a wife. He doesn't have a family. Like this is just like who he is. And, um, you know, yeah, sure. He likes fishing, but like, he doesn't want to go catch that big Marlin. He wants to, to keep catching, uh, killers. It seems. And that's why he immediately jumps on, uh, on this homicide case when he is six hours from retirement. Uh, all that makes sense, but where we end up with uh, Robin Wright and Robin Wright's uh, daughter Chrissy, and like the way that they, uh, the three of them, uh, kind of form relationships, the way that that goes, and with where the movie ends, I just didn't think clicked. Like he's obsessed with something, but he goes from sort of like managing obsession while still looking to just like completely in the woods um literally way too Mm. shit okay um (laughs) (laughs) literally and figuratively he's like in almost like like he's out to lunch like robin wright is yelling at him 
and like like how could you do this? You know, he's like, waiting he's doing, for the guy I, to show up, Jr. I know, and he's just still scanning, still scanning. He never stops scanning uh, the the woods, the surroundings. Um, when we've seen him watching TV the entire fucking time, watching news, uh, if he had just turned on that TV one more time, uh, he would have seen the car crash and been like, "Boom, we got him." Um, hey, but you know, I'm jumping ahead. But uh, yeah, that where he ends up. His arc is not great. I, I just I don't think that they fully sell the ending, even though there are parts of the ending that are really cool. Mm. I also have issues with the ending, and I have issues with his arc, and I don't think that the the very ending, that last shot that we sort of start on at the beginning of the film, I that's my that's like one of my biggest sort of um, issues with the entire film is that. I don't like I don't like that at all. I don't think it's earned at all. Like that, he goes completely insane like this, and he's just mumbling yeah. to himself like a schizophrenic no. person, or he's yeah. like he's got dementia or something. I mean, like it'd be one thing if you said this character has has dementia, you know, and like it's, it's <laughs> solely pacing for. But just the fact that this happened because mm. he's obsessed with this case, so he's become a uh, crazy man who's talking to himself who's obviously tripping over himself and falling over and stuff because his face is all bruised and beaten up and god knows what's happened to him and his his gas station is it's falling closed. into disrepair because yeah he, uh, it's boarded up care and, of it. well and that seemed like a like almost like a pen problem like uh well i'm i'm attributing somebody to sean penn that maybe i should, i don't i don't know and, and i don't know who wrote this who wrote this movie oh uh sean penn co-wrote it no he didn't jersey kromolowski and mary olsen kromolowski all right well i'll blame jersey specifically uh <laughs> I, I feel like jersey just kind of or and honestly this this might this could be a pen problem it might not be in the script but uh someone's desire to have a sort of see where he ends up is almost like a like a hedge like we know he's going to get there it's like so it's like ends up being like a self-fulfilling prophecy even if we don't flush out everything well enough even if we don't sell this enough you know he's going to get there and we're mm-hmm. going to make sure he gets there uh and so like i wonder if they included the stuff at the beginning like as a hedge is not the right word as a, as a way to kind of make up for a lack of development um yeah, probably. I mean, it definitely feel. I mean, from what you read about the movie, it feels like they were definitely fixing a lot of the stuff in the editing room. Like they they didn't mm. have time and money to finish it. So, and like that also is a problem for me because I did not remember that the car crash happens at the end. I don't want to like spoil this movie, but like the thing mm. the thing that happens at the end there, and we spoil all our reviews. I know. I don't. I don't. I don't know. It feels. <laughs> I don't know trying to talk around things anyway i don't know about that i don't i don't uh remember that happening you know from my previous watches and i remember this ending on a vague note of like he never finds out if the killer is even real or if it was actually benicio mm. uh, the film or anything and the fact that that's tied up bothers me like i don't like that i i would it bothers me too. Not, yeah i would prefer it not to be tied up and what? uh it's like, so Even why the fact that they reveal that it's that they, they reveal who the killer is essentially? Well, and the the hedgehog uh, or the whatever it's supposed yeah, to be, porcupine. porcupine. It looks yeah. like a hedgehog for God's sake. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it does. Even if you show us the car crash, like don't show us the porcupine. Um, 
Oh, and you shouldn't show us the car crash. I, I didn't like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Because that I, that just that's that's a place where I don't think the dramatic irony makes sense. We should have some ambiguity. I, mm-hmm. I don't want to know more than Jack Nicholson right now. Exactly. Um, right. But, it, but I feel like that is like a, in the movie, that's almost like a moment for Aaron Eckhart to like, be like, Oh damn. Except, you know, he already has called Jack Nicholson a clown. And a Jack fucking Nicholson, clown. <laughs> Jack Nicholson is being a clown. So that's okay. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Eckhart's in this movie. But see, that's, a, that's, that's, that's the annoying part of that though, right? It's like Aaron Eckhart's like, that's frustrating for the audience. And it's like, and yes. for no reason, it's like, Aaron mm. Eckhart is calling him a clown when in fact, no, he was right. You're right. all the clowns. He was yes. fucking right. And yes. it's just, and it's just like, I guess I guess Sean Penn thinks that that's some kind of beautiful irony or something, but it's really just frustrating and stupid. Like I like I'd rather not know and not know that he's a just maybe think that he is a clown. You know, is he a clown? Did he know? Who knows? We don't know because we didn't. Well, so so we know that he's not a clown, but we also know that his methods here were fucked. Sure. Uh, In like Mm. the first. So. All right. So you mean his methods of using the the girl as bait. Yeah. Yes. And like, so, so fuck that. I questioned the reality of these police officers doing that. I was like, would these guys do this? Like, would oh, they no, use they would... this little girl as bait? Like, there's no way they would do this. No. Yeah, especially, like, like, like told... how long has he been living in this town? Like developing the relationships in this town, you know, like he's bought the gas station. He's saved Robin Wright and Chrissy, and like, I feel like at some point, like Eckhart says, a year and a half. He's like, it's been a year and a half. Okay. Um, yeah. But but yeah, so like, he's mm. like deep into this into this life now. Um, and and Aaron Eckhart, by the way, is like, who goes and tells Robin Wright? We see him coming out of the gas station. Well, he says um, he has to. He tells him that. He says, I have to tell the mother. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you agreed to do this right. cockamamie scheme. <laughs> Like yeah, yeah. So now it seems you have like to go she, tell Now that it's not like going to, she'd work. be just as mad at at him as she would be at Jack Nicholson. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, Jack Nicholson's oh. not even a cop. He's just a yeah. guy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like you're the person with like authority. You're the person that right. the community puts their trust in, and you decided to do this. You brought eight guys <laughs> with like fucking snipers to yeah. <laughs> to do this, and yeah. you're telling me now that it didn't work. Yeah. So this remind I I just thought of um uh did either of you guys watch the third season of True Detective to the end? I did Negative. not. Of course not. Okay. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to spoil it, going to spoil a little bit. So, um so throughout the third season, you know that um in the third timeline Mahershala Ali's character we know has dementia and he, you know, he gets to a point and he forgets what he's doing there and et cetera, et cetera. So at the very end of the show, he has finally put all these things together and he's traced this one, one of, one of the girls that he was looking for. Like he finally sees that like she's grown up and she's okay. And she has a child of her own. And just when he's right about to get that closure, then he has a lapse and he's not sure he's not sure where he is, why he's there. And then his son has to come and pick him up and, you know, take him home. We as the audience know that, okay, like this man is vindicated, but he doesn't know. Hmm. 
So, like, it's a similar situation. It's very similar, ex- yeah. Except that <laughs> for some reason they just kind of, you know, I don't know. It's like he's, it's like Jerry Black is being written off as, you know, it's like, it's like the narrative itself is like looking at him as a clown. You know, you know, I agree. And it's like, it's honestly like, it's like, um, he, he's trying to do the right thing. He's correct about his assumptions. There Mm. is a killer and and his, his, you know, stepdaughter or whatever she is to him is at risk. Other children are at risk. He's doing what he thinks is the right thing to do, but he doesn't like, it's like you say, like nobody knows that that's the case except the audience. And so Mm. it's like, so he loses everything. And it's like, instead of losing everything because he was obsessed and his obsession caused his downfall, it's like he lost everything on a technicality just because (laughs) Oh, well, yeah. the guy died in the car accident on the way there. Otherwise, we, you know, it's, yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's stupid. It's a stupid way to end the movie. Yeah, that's so it really like, bothers me. Don't show, us, yeah, just don't show us the car crash. Yeah, that's and, all you have to do. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and like I, still, I, I honestly, I would like it if because I didn't remember that uh, Tom Noonan's character. I remember that he's set up as a red herring, but I also didn't. Re- I didn't fully remember that he was like revealed to like sort of absolutely not be the guy mm. like i would like it better if he maybe he's the guy you know leave him as a suspect too maybe who knows yeah yeah kind of yeah you know i like, do love the scene when he bursts through the door though and he has the hallucination yeah oh, that, God, ooh, that no. was, <laughs> and he's like God, that was so rough so, so crazy yeah some, some of the child gore in this is just like over the top dude it's like that, yeah fun. that like really yeah, that really bothered me because like all the girls who are murdered are like just a couple years older than my children, and it's yeah. like, eh, no thanks. Uh, yeah, there's a on canopy that it gives you like a warning uh, before you start oh. it. <laughs> oh wow, it was on like, canopy. Uh, yeah, it's on it's on the whatever whatever Colorado library subscription oh, okay. to canopy. It's, oh. not on, it's not on the, it's not on the subscription that East Baton Rouge parish has. Sorry. I watched it on Plex and it was a garbage like DVD rip of like a full frame version, oh, but oh, mine looked I good. saw it on Blu-ray and it was fantastic. It's I mean, okay. As, I mean, as fantastic as a 2001 good. movie can look, but you know. it's like, you know what it reminds me of? It's like this movie <clears> is <throat> attempting the same exact thing that something like Zodiac is attempting where it's trying to like <clears throat> investigate, paranoia and obsession and stuff but it just it's way it's like the only person who's doing a good job at that is nicholson in the performance uh, like it's, yes. like it's not it's not paced properly to give us that it only starts doing that narrative an hour into the movie when he actually retires mm. i mean he's obsessed with it before but he's obsessed in a in a in a in a, I'm a police officer. I've got to figure this out kind of way. Is it an hour before he retires? Dude, it's an hour before he moves to the gas station place, that area where he starts fishing and everything. Mm. Yeah. He literally is just, he, he goes to the airport, he comes back and it's like another 25 minutes of him just investigating. He goes in and talks to Vanessa Redgrave. Oh, but, but he's retired at that point. He's retired, but he's not, but he's still in that town. He's still, Inve- directly yeah, investigating. So yeah, he's he's putting stuff together uh in in town you're right okay yeah you, you know what this movie i think really could have benefited from 
more one-on-one with Nicholson and Sam Shepard. Hmm. Like, you know, like, like maybe, like maybe they were buddies, you know, came up together through the force and, you know, like, like he, like maybe like he knows Nicholson and he knows how deep he can get into stuff. And he's trying to kind of maybe sort of, you know, kind of sort of like Ben Kingsley in um, Shutter Island where like he knows, like he's seen Nicholson go down this road before and he's maybe trying to, you know, he does have a that great line you you gotta get a hold of yourself jerry <laughs> like after he's so like he's like you know telling him about the picture and everything yeah she drew a giant and the, and the you know he does sound he kind of sounds insane you know yeah you yeah. gotta get a hold of yourself man <laughs> like that's a great i like sam shepherd a lot he's yeah he, he's almost a cameo in this movie yeah yeah well, he's, it, it, he's it a feature i guess yeah it just that reminds you going to another cameo it's like as far as like Patricia Clarkson is concerned, like the killer has been caught. Like, sure. Yeah. His pledge to Patricia, uh, John's favorite actor. It's like, um, <laughs> like that has been fulfilled. Right. So like really, we, ne- we never see her after that you initial. S- oh, you see her. You see her. You do. He sees her across the way when he, she and her husband are picking up feed at that, uh, feed store. And he sees her like through a oh. window. Yeah. Right, right, right. right. Like reminds him of the pledge that he made. But but it's it's true like what Jared's saying. As far as she's concerned, the killer offed himself in the first 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Well, all right. Can we can we go to that scene by the way with Benicio del Toro? Yes. Um, because that. Oh, actually, real quick before we do that, I'm sorry. I just want to say because I I was talking about pacing a minute ago, and let's say like. This is a problem that Sean Penn has with his films, like they're paced weirdly, and this movie is no different. Like the the fact that it it takes an hour for him to get to the sort of like second location in this movie, and mm. that that's what the really that's what the movie should be about, you know? Uh, it's just bizarre, and the same thing happens in um in uh, uh the crossing, crossing guard, guard that we watched, which I which I love the crossing guard personally. I, it's like one of my favorite movies. I think it's great, and I I think uh uh, but I but I think it has pacing problems the same way. Like it's not paced well, and it's just it's got some bizarre choices in it. Um, but Nicholson's performance is just so fucking amazing. It just does it completely overrides everything for me. But anyways, that's what I was, I was just gonna say that Pin's Pin has pacing problems. His first movie too, Indian Runner, very weird, very strangely mm. paced. Um, but anyways, sorry. Yeah, let's talk about the Benicio. So Benicio de Toro plays Toby, Toby J. Wadna, who's a, uh, uh, Indian, uh, Native American, yeah. uh, uh, mm. individual who's of low mental faculties. Mm-hmm. Um, and who is seen by the little boy who finds the body running away from the body scared and, uh, then subsequently arrested for the murder and rape of this child. And then, uh, I'm sure Jared wants to talk about Aaron Eckhart's, uh, interrogation. <laughs> of um, Toby. Oh, I was so glad Jack at the end of that. Him. Yes. I'm so glad Jack Nicholson said that at the end. Uh, cause the whole time I'm thinking like, Eckhart doesn't seem very good at this. Uh, <laughs> just like, there's a lot so of weird. like inappropriate touching yes. of Your Toby's message. hair. And, uh, it's just, uh, it was, bizarre and and like so like 
at this point in the movie, we're supposed to think that Eckhart is a clown. Eckhart's like the young, like hotshot who's getting uh, Jad Nicholson's, uh, like taking his place. Um, and because I was led to believe, I think that uh, like he gets the job done, he solves these cases. But we also find out like through maybe like less than uh, than like stand up uh, ethical um, does not solve these cases in ethical ways. But uh, maybe because he's clearly taking advantage of uh, of someone who is not all mentally there. And um, and this, of course, like like Nicholson is noting this from like a room watching the camera, like this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's saying. Um, yeah. And Eckhart's just talking him into like, agreeing that he killed this girl. And um, it was just like a really weird scene. Um, with a really weird Eckhart who at the end of it, like does like a, like, yes, like lifts his arms yeah. for the, uh, for like the police, uh, the cop room camera and, uh, and then leads to what, uh, Toby Benicio del Toro does to himself, which I did not see coming. Um, I almost thought this was going to be like, uh, like Jack Nicholson, in addition to like solving this case is going to, absolve toby of this murder and like get him out of prison but there's nobody to get out of prison because as john has already said he like takes another cop's gun and uh and shoots himself which was uh pretty like fucked and like and jack nicholson like finding the tooth in the wall Mm. also uh also gross weirdly violent scene like overly violent overly bloody um i will say though that uh i love the police officer's reaction like, don't, please don't shoot me, don't shoot me. And he's crying afterwards. Like, you never see that in a movie. I thought he was going to fucking kill me. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's, like yeah. So, that's so those, real, you know? Those small town sheriff's deputies, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when they're like but talking he, about who's going to tell ra- the parents. He'd really rather not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, one deputy, but he'd really rather not. It's like, he'd really rather not. Although, Ugh. you know, and then, uh, you know how you say that um, Aaron Eckhart appears to be the clown at that point, you know, cause he's mm. groping on uh, Benicio's character and everything. He also is introduced in a way where like he's introduced as like the most like arrogant sort of like piece of shit cop that there is he, where he goes into that space and tells him no more parking on the street. And then he parks in the space himself. Yeah. Mm. Like what an asshole. You know? <laughs> right. Like, so you're, so you're initially like immediately you hate the guy, you know, yeah, unless, yeah. You're, unless you're like a, Blue Lives Matter kind of guy. I don't even think he's awesome, but <laughs> like he's the good cop here. Exactly. Right. Um, but yeah. Uh, but, well, and then that's another thing. Like at the very end, he seems like so straight laced and uh, mm. like he takes everything so seriously now. And, you know, he's had a year and a half sure. uh, in a new position. Maybe he's a better cop. But um, how'd you feel it, about Benicio's performance? Uh, I, I didn't love the character and I didn't think there was a lot Benicio could do. With that, um, I, I thought the performance was, was bad. Yeah, I just think yeah. that his his voice was just so goofy. That high pitched nasally thing was just like mm, that's that's a little weird. He was definitely trying something. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Mm. Uh, is that an offensive performance? Probably. In, uh, yeah, in, in hindsight, I'm sure. Um, well, I mean, the, the the whole thing with him, like, you know, with Eckhart taking advantage of a person with a disability and, you know, like, that's, you know, like, 
that's something that happens in real life. And, you know, it's like, sure. You know, you know, like, like we saw that, you know, we saw it, you know, in, um, it's a similar thing in, uh, the, um, paradise lost, you know, like, sure. Yeah. Like, you know, like Damien was, you know, like kind of the one kid who had like, you know, normal functioning. Intelligence. Yeah, normal, normal, yeah. Yeah. Normal function. And the, the other two kids were, you know, just kind of, you know, standard. Well, also, country, um, country boys, I don't know if you guys ever watched Making a Murderer on Netflix. The uh, it's like a ten part uh, series about a an, an, uh, an uncle and a nephew who get arrested for committing a murder. And the nephew in that is also like he has like an IQ of like eighty. Like he's slow, and they he he gets talked to without a lawyer, and then he mm. confess. He gets like sort of coerced into confessing this thing that yeah. didn't happen, and uh, and uh, he's he's still in jail. So you know, definitely that definitely happens. Yeah. Um, uh, I was about to say something about something, and now I can't remember what it was. I was just like, okay, so as far as like Penn's direction, like <laughs> the crash zooms, just a strange choice, you know. Like when the little boy sees the body and it crash zooms on his face. What is that about? <laughs> I yeah, mean, I know. it doesn't work, dude. It's such a bizarre. I would even do that. He does it a couple of times. It's not good. That whole cross-cutting sequence I found pretty strange. Mm. Um, I understand why it's there. I just the way that it was handled, I thought was weird. Yeah, because uh, the boy is so goofy. Yeah, and what's up, yeah. like Jack Nicholson, like like eyeing that kid when he's on a float on the jet ski because like, he wants see, to, like that's the same you know, kid. Yeah, it's the same kid. Yeah, he's like yeah. eyeing him like this kid's done something wrong. Uh, right. And I know it's, it's just it's, reminding yeah. him. Yeah. 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 I mean, we just, we've never <laughs> stopped being reminded. I, yeah. I, it's, it's, I, it's, it's I like, like this movie, but it's so annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Shit like that's so annoying. Yeah. It seems like direction wise, it was like Sean Penn is like, you know what? Like, I'm going to try some stuff. Because, yeah. like, you know, there's, there's that, um, that scene when uh, Nicholson goes to tell them tell the parents and you know like the camera is like way at the back and you know you just see this sea of turkeys and then you know you see nicholson come up to them and i thought about that too i was like how are they hearing what he's saying right now like there's no way they can you know (laughs) yeah and you you know and you know we see the scene from a distance and then like yeah like when he sees the kid in the in the parade it's like it's like, yeah, I stole the shot like straight out of Born on the Fourth of July, <laughs> <laughs> or know? Cape or Cape Fear. Um, so there, I mean, there's visual stuff that I I liked though, like when um when Noonan pulled up the uh, snowplow, like we just see like the snowplow uh, behind Chrissy, who I think is building a snowman. Maybe at that point, she's like she's playing in the snow, and mm. uh, just like out of focus, we see the snowplow pull up. And then we cut to like Nicholson, who's watching TV. He's not paying attention uh, at that point. And then the next shot, and then he looks back down. And okay. Then, yeah. The next shot, you just see Noonan's orange jumpsuit right behind Chrissy. Like I like that a lot. Like, that was creepy. That was good. That's mm. good. That's, I mean, yeah. I'm not saying Pin's a uh, shit director. He's <laughs> right. just he's just he's got strange choices that he makes. I wish someone mm. would have told uh, Robin Wright and probably also uh, Sean Penn that uh, poor doesn't have to mean Southern. Or toothless. Yeah. Well, I mean, but she kissed Jack Nicholson and that tooth was fixed, so it's fine. 
Why is her tooth missing? Ostensibly chipped, right? Huh? I thought she didn't. Jack Nicholson called it chipped. Yeah, I mean, it looks chipped. Why is it chipped? I think it's because her ex beats her up. Is that what we're supposed to? Oh, I see. So it got chipped. We're supposed to just infer that it got chipped from a prior beating. So tricks. They tricked the insurance into into fixing that one. (laughs) I do. I like. Like as soon as. When when he he knocked her tooth out, you know, and then she gets it replaced. I was like, this guy did her a huge favor. Like she looks so much better with a, a full full set of teeth. You know, <laughs> she looks Robin Ray looks better with a full set of teeth than she does with a piece of black tape covering part of her tooth. If that's for a, sure, if that's what happened, I don't even know. Maybe she actually had. You don't a, think it was black tape? Maybe maybe she was. She's like she and Sean Penn are saying they're like method. They probably he yeah. probably like broke her tooth out for her. You know? I thought it looked too fucking. Yeah, she was come on, babe. You gotta deck me. Just punch <laughs> me in the face. Which um, no, 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 don't like teeth. Which um, cameo did you guys like the most? Mickey Rourke, Helen Mirren. Uh, um, Mickey Rourke. I lo- I thought he was fantastic. I thought it was pretty good too. It was uh, yeah. impressive. If, when he if, just starts if, coming to pieces, I oh, I was with him all the way. Totally impressive, completely unnecessary for this movie, but really impressive. Yeah. <laughs> like we did not need that scene at all. But yeah, it was this a, movie didn't uh, deserve it. <laughs> was he was good in that? Yeah. Uh, here's what I'll say. Uh, are you still sexually active? Oh yeah, you like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Helen Mirren was good too, and she she really looked good. Like, I don't know how old she was in this, but she looked good, man. 20 years? She's probably like 50, I've always, 50 and 55. I've always sort of just thought of her as like being a an old lady, you know? And then I remember uh, we watched Savage Messiah, and I was like, good God, man. She's like, she's really attractive. Uh, yeah, she... Oh, yeah, and you, you still haven't really seen 2010, have you? She's 56 in this movie. Um, no, I haven't seen 2010. It's in my... In my um, Plex watch list thing. Um, how about uh, how about all the uh, Frasier alums in this, Kevin? Do you notice? Oh, okay. I'll, I'll sign off. <laughs> There's there are four Frasier alums in this movie. Oh, help me out! Help me out. Patricia Clarkson, obviously the worst. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, yeah. but she's actually I didn't mind her in this. I thought her breakdown when she's told that her kid died is it's pretty solid. I didn't like the scene after that, but anyway. Yeah. Um, Aaron Eckhart. Oh yeah, yeah. Is in the last season. Yeah, okay. he yeah. plays a uh, a romantic rival for Fraser, mm-hmm. um, the the anti Fraser. Yeah. Uh, you got trying to steal. Um, oh, Laura Linney. Laura yeah. Linney. Yeah. You got Dale Dickey. Oh, that's, I, the, uh, I think of her more. I think this. of her more of um. I think of her character from Deadwood. More oh. when when I think about her. I haven't seen Deadwood, but yeah, she's well, in that episode you, where they, they give the, the house. They give her and her husband that house with them with the cows and everything. Right. Yeah. Um, and then Lois Smith. Yeah, who was also in uh, Five Easy Pieces with Jack. Exactly Nicholson. with Jack. Who was yeah. uh, Lois Smith? She was the the mom uh, in the wheelchair. Who the like one... she has the store with the porcupines. Oh, okay. Right. She's gotcha. the one who tells him about. She's the one who she's, she's like the Tom mother of Newton's Tom Newton. Mother. Yeah, Tom Moon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, how about this? I read on the uh, trivia that the oranges that he slices uh, that um, 
what's his face slices Aaron Eckhart peels that oranges he, that he puts they represent out. yeah that they represent that they foreshadow death and it's a reference to the Godfather. Do you guys buy this at all? No, I don't. No. no. Do you know that it's insane to me? I watched a movie called The Mother with Jennifer Lopez from Netflix, mm-hmm. sure. uh, and it also has a scene where her character knocks over a crate of oranges. And on the trivia, it says those oranges are put there to, as a reference to the Godfather. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? Like this, it, that's insane. Like if the director thinks that that's a nod to the Godfather, that director is out of her mind. Um, the first yeah, time, like, nah, yeah. The first time my daughter tried uh, any citrus was when we were in Louisiana. She tried Satsuma. Um, mm. And so she calls all oranges Satsumas. Um, so we often have little like oranges and mandarins and stuff on uh, the counter. And um, every time I hand her one, I say, this is a Satsuma. And this is because we like the Godfather in this house. Like, <laughs> what the fuck are they talking about? This isn't, this isn't real. It's yeah. insane. Okay, so so the scene where Brando like puts it in his mouth to scare his grandson, like, well, that, it's not, that it's is not... what... That that's what they're talking about, but they're also that, that that scene happens in an in an apple orchard or in an orange like orchard thing, like a orange uh, farm or whatever, right? So they're growing sure. oranges in that garden, and it's like and that that motif of oranges representing death is in the entire Godfather series because Michael dies eating an orange also at the end of the third film. But that's like that doesn't mean that anytime you see a fucking orange in a movie, it's rever- <laughs> it's like a reference to the Godfather. It's insane, <laughs> you know, especially a movie like. The Mother, which is like this garbage action picture in John Wick right. knockoff, you know? So anyways, uh, I'm running out of notes. Yeah, I mean, I think my last note was like, love the prominent usage of the Azuzu Trooper, one of the last model years. I think it was discontinued in like 2001 or 2002. So mm. love to see it. Love that vehicle. Yeah. If you ever need to go just te- tear ass in across a field and... Driving through barbed wire <laughs> fences, it's the car for you. It's like, oh, that's why he has the protective grill for that. Anytime he needs to just um, decide impulsively to to drive through some barbed wire. Exactly. Um, I did have a note. Uh, full service station in two thousand one. Uh, a little weird. Also had that note. I was like, pretty sure Nevada was not like a state that required that. That's really yeah, I mean, old like, fashioned and weird. Yeah, like you got Oregon and you have Jersey, and that's it. Those, those, is that it? That's it. Okay. I, and I, I looked it up. No one else in 2001 was uh, mm. was requiring a full service. I'm sure there are places scattered throughout the country that choose to do it, but right uh, sounds awful. Um, it's just an excuse to have him interact with that guy in the black. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, some some bad digital breath in this. A lot of real, a lot of real breath, but some scenes were, I guess they were shot on stages. Maybe they included some digital breath. Yeah. That, that first crime scene, it was noticeable. Yeah. Oh, um, how'd you guys feel about Zimmer's score, the vocal score and the acoustic guitar? And, um, he didn't do it by himself, right? He did it with, uh, Klaus Bedelt. Yeah, I blame also, Klaus, man. Yeah, he scored a lot of really bad stuff like Catwoman and Equilibrium, but he also did the <laughs> Rescue Dawn. So, uh, the um, 
Yeah, sort of the the folksy nature of it. I was getting sick of. Yeah. Honestly, I didn't notice it very much. I like the initial uh, that first track of the ladies' vocals with the piano. I thought that was okay, but the rest of it, yeah, mm. gets a little tiring. Yeah. All right, guys. I got um. I guess start wrapping up. My uh, I guess someone who's about to kick me out of this room so she can go to sleep. Oh my okay. God, he fries <laughs> fish with the skin on. Uh, uh, <laughs> Fred Michael O'Keefe played <coughs> Roseanne, and he was in Caddyshack, and he's the father of the kid who was killed. And this movie is based on a German novel. Uh, the movie that that came before it is called "It Happened in Broad Daylight," and J.R. Hassinas from 1958. It's based on the same novel. No mm. memory, no memory of it. You watched it in okay. 2019. Cool. <laughs> I, I believe you, and I don't remember it. All right. Uh, ratings. I'm going to give it a three. Uh, I'm going three as well. I'll go three and a half. I still liked a lot of this. Hey, good. I'm glad. Um, let's see. I need to... Okay, so let's take a look at the... Whatever... The Letterbox Roulette. We're looking at Jack Nicholson, Helen Mirren, Aaron Eckhart, Robin Wright. No. Sorry. Sam, Sam Shepard and Benicio mm. are at the six. Uh, and I need... Uh, sorry, guys. Uh, I need a dice app real quick. Dice roll. I think you would just Google dice roll and it would come right up. You know, There we go. There it is. Mm. Out of six... Five. So Sam Shepard. Sam Shepard. Okay, this is gonna be a tough one. I think Jared's got this one too. God damn it! Jared has seen too much garbage, like the notebook, the Pelican Brief. (laughs) (laughs) My number is nine, so I'm sure I'm watching whatever it is. Jared. Nineteen. God fucking damn it, Jr. I'm at 16. <laughs> so close. Well, I, I tell you what, since since you guys are like leaps and bounds ahead of me, I will be the one to watch the um, the homework this time. Thanks, Kev. Tell us what it is, John, or tell us it, the number. What am I watching? Number is 5:49. The movie is Train Spotting. Kevin, any problem with this? Not at all. Okay. Have you seen this? Many times. Oh, okay. Are you, do you want to watch something else, or are you okay rewatching this? Uh, I mean, I haven't rated it, so sure, I'll, I'll watch okay. it again, and I'll tell watch. you what, I'll, I will make a effort to watch it and Train Spotting 2. Okay. <laughs> just just sure. to say, you know. <laughs> to get them both out of the way. Um, sure. Okay, yeah, so Train Spotting is the movie that you'll be watching. Danny Boyle. And then uh, next time on the show, it's. JR's pick. JR's pick. JR, lay it on us, man. What yeah. kind of a nightmare foreign film are you going to make us watch this time? Also, oh. if it's a Peter Weir film, it will be the third one. Because John chose Master and Commander. Oh, that's right. Oh, shit. I forgot about that. Oh, I definitely can't do a weird film. Alright, I wasn't going to today. (laughs) We're going to do one from uh, one of my 
preferred directors, uh, Jacques Turner. Um, uh, we're going to do Out of the Past. Film uh, okay. noir starring uh, Robert Mitchum and Jane Greer, Kirk Douglas from 1947. All right. Good deal. Sounds good. Uh, Jordan gave this five stars, so... Yeah, 97 minutes. It's uh, I don't have it as like one of my favorites from this director, but I have it as one that um, I know everyone loves and I need to revisit. So I've never seen any of this director's films, so I'm in. Nice. I might watch a couple of these westerns that he did. I, my hope is that you will watch Out of the Past first, and then uh, you know maybe find your way to uh, I Walked with a Zombie or uh, or Nightfall. Or Curse of the Demon. Canyon Passage would be a great one. What's Canyon Passage? Is that a Western? Yes. Okay, Westerns only. Okay, <laughs> it's 92 minutes. It doesn't have anyone I know. Or Bond, I guess. Oh, Lloyd Bridges. <laughs> okay, so next time we'll be watching Out of the Past. This is on Criterion, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. It was. I'm not sure anymore. Okay. Um... And, uh, you know, thanks for listening. And until next time, visit our website at filmiacpodcast.com. Write to us, filmiacpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, thanks for listening. Bye. right here. These, according to an interview I had with a girl named Beck, 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 Betsy Fisk, these are porcupines. Okay, whoa, hold it. Just porcupines and giants and Craig, you got to get a hold of yourself, Jerry.